Well, for me, um, I was outside of the structure and I heard the mayday. And I heard the mayday come from the truck that my literal brother was on. And my immediate response is run in. Well, it makes it makes you realize that, you know, despite all the Mayday training and RIT training we go through, it's all simulated, right? And the second you get into that real-world real world situation where it's your crew down there, it all changes, right? Yeah, it all becomes pretty real pretty fast. You know, maybe I should have gotten to the station a little faster and been on that first truck. You know, that I feel like that should have been me. You know what? I don't... <laughs> I don't like to say that the helmet really changes you. I think the biggest thing for me was going from, you know, friend to subordinate supervisor, right? We talk about, you know, rural firefighting as being, you know, a part-time gig. It's part-time work with full-time effects. This job will, will take everything from you if you let it, but it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done, you know what I mean? Yeah, don't join up if you're going to hit the minimums. That's just the reality. I have no problem with them using it as a stepping stone, but while you're here, you're here, and we expect a lot out of you. The community doesn't give a shit if you're not available, because they're going to expect you're available. They're going to expect you know everything, and that's what we expect. We're going to hold you to the same level of standard that the community holds you. Welcome to From the Floor. In this episode, we talk with Josh and Jesse, two brothers from Station 81. They share what it's like to serve at the same station and how becoming officers really gave them a chance to set the bar high for their district. Being on the service with your best friend can be amazing and extremely challenging at the same time. After listening to this episode, you will discover a lot about how they managed to do it so successfully. If you want to be a better firefighter, sit back and enjoy. Brandon and I know you will walk away from this one with tons to think about. See you on the floor. Three, two, one, and we're live. Okay, welcome to the floor, everybody. Brandon. Yeah, how's it going, guys? Hope you're doing good. Yeah, I'm doing great. So anyway, uh, we have the brothers from 8. Introduce yourselves. Go ahead. All right. Uh, yeah, so I'm Josh Gibo. Uh, I'm from District 8, and I'm here with my brother. Jesse Latimer. We are, in fact, brothers. You can yes. feel the energy in the room. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> exhilarating. Tantalizing. Just yes. Tantalizing. Yeah, so... We're, we're going to clear this right away before we continue. So we are brothers. We just have different last names. Same mom, same dad. But I have my mother's maiden name. He's got my father's. So we are brothers. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> Very different people. But uh, There's a whole host of questions I have about just that. <laughs> yeah. Bring them all. But it's not related to firefighting, so we're going to skip over that. <laughs> yeah, there might have been some stories our parents didn't tell us. So what station yeah. are you from? From 81, District 8. So that's in Stittsville. We are from 81, right on Stitzville Main Street. Yep. The pride of Stitzville, baby. So if anybody doesn't know this, uh, Josh, you and I were in recruit class together. We were indeed. That's right. And yeah. every picture I took, it was him standing in the middle with thumbs up going, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be seen. Gotta be seen. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So how, how long were you on before you became an LT? Uh, honestly, way pretty quickly. Um, I think by that the time... That in my face, why don't you? Okay. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Hey, I said congrats to you when you got it too. Uh, I think it took. Uh, I, by the time I got my red helmet, it was it was four years. Uh, yeah, so I, I was on with you. I got my uh, my red bucket about four years in. And, did that uh, change for you? Did that? Did that? What changed when you got that? You know what? I don't. I don't like to say that the helmet really changes you. I think that you know, there's always leadership in people you shouldn't have to be handed the quote-unquote leadership role Mm. 
you know, anyone can be a leader in the station. I think my brother and I both have that opinion. Um, you know, I wouldn't say you so much are born with it, but you, you grow up into those roles based on your experiences from your youth and even your adulthood. And, you know, a lot of the things too, is the station kind of orbits around leaders. So you might not think you're a leader, but everyone else around you thinks you're a leader. And, uh, you know, again, it's not just leadership, it's mentoring, you know, you just, you have the ability to empower people and control the room. So I don't really think anything changed other than the fact that, you know, my helmet was a little cleaner now. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah. You don't get in so much of a mess. Yeah. So maybe nothing changed for you. Did anybody treat you differently? I mean, not, I know they had to because you're an LT, but yeah. So the first thing that was different was I was referred to as LT. So, you know, a lot of the times they called me Josh or nicknames, whatever. We won't get into those nicknames. Yeah. Those are, those are nicknames uh, obtained extremely off duty. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Those, uh, but yeah, a lot of people referred to me as, you know, Lieutenant or LT, they respected the chain of command, which is something that, you know, I also find is important because you, you pay your dues, you respect the chain and you know, once you're off the fire ground and you're you're at the bar with your friends or you're out doing something with the people, it's different. Yeah. Um, my station was sorry, not my station, but our station was uh, really good at you know differentiating when you're in that role and when you're not when you're not in that role. <laughs> Don't hit the table. <laughs> when you're in that role and when you're not in that role. Yeah. Can't follow instructions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. You know, I feel like there's this voice of reason in my head every time <laughs> yeah. he talks. Yeah. I feel like that's the truth, right? <laughs> and you know what? Every time he talks in the fire ground too, it's probably the right decision. So uh, I, I must say that uh, a lot of my skills and a lot of what I know does come from my brother being the other lieutenant in the station. So, you know, I I definitely, even though he's my younger brother, I look up to him and his knowledge and well, we work well off each other. Yeah. We, you know, bounce ideas off each other. And usually we end up making the right one, but not always. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, it's, it, I make the mistake. He cleans up for me. But uh, it comes full circle. We, we all have yeah. that in the front yeah. and everybody, everybody makes a mistake. I'm hoping that circle comes around to my end soon. So, Did anything change on your end when you became an LT? Uh, I think the biggest thing for me was going from, you know, friend to subordinate supervisor, right? Yeah, that's a challenging thing to navigate. Um, I think I still have challenges with that to this day, but that's just something that you have to work with, especially on the volunteer side. Yeah, I think you probably have a closer relationship with with your your firefighters, but uh, they're all pretty good with that. I mean, they respect the rank, just like Josh said. But and I'll add to what you said: it, it you don't have to have a red bucket to be a leader. We all know that, right? Some people are just good at being that 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 leader in the station. The only difference is the red bucket gives you the responsibility, right? It, yeah. it, it gives you the. Oh, I lost where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I was told that too when I when I was given the red bucket. They said yeah. uh, the chief looked at me and he goes, "You didn't say anything else." He goes, "Your job is to get everybody home safe." Yeah, here you are, old team, and that was it. And. I think that that's something too that we both kind of have learned from that our job is to get everyone home safe. And you know, there's always that cliche thing, you know, the the rule is that you're going to go home. Yeah. 
but there's, there's another rule where, you know, we expect that we're going to have a home that the community can go home to as well. Yeah. So, you know, our job is to protect lives, you know, protect the public, protect structure. So we really are invested in our community. So in about 15 minutes, Josh will open up and get relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll start talking about how we really feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the community, they don't, they don't want to know me. Uh, <laughs> no, but there's uh there's this feeling of, you know, now that we've already opened up the door to the whole volunteer rule side, you know, we, we protect our community. We protect the people in our community versus someone that might protect a community. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my brother, my mother. Uh, this could be my best friend. You know, I, I have responded to my family members. Mm-hmm. I have responded to my friends from high school. And uh, sometimes it does make it a little more difficult and sometimes it makes it a little more easier, but yeah. you know, a lot of the things that we do, we try to desensitize or disassociate ourselves from what's going on right there. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do that. Though. I mean, it is. if yeah. anything, if, tell me this is how you guys feel, but if I go to somebody I know, mm-hmm. I think nine times out of a hundred, it'll be, thank God it's you. And then you kind of use that as a, as a, as a leverage to help people stay calm or help people do what you need them to do. Yeah. Right. As opposed to trying to stay back. Yeah. It, it 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 can work to your advantage for sure. Yeah. But I don't really think a lot did change when we got our helmets. Like Jesse said, you know, the respecting the rank, it was always there anyways. Yeah. And I think the floor really sees who the leaders are before they're even publicly announced. Yeah. You know, you just, you, you have that persona and there's so many leaders in the station already that could easily do what we're doing right and one of the things that when i became a lieutenant i was more comfortable admitting my flaws or admitting that i didn't know you had no choice yeah because huge right there just because you're a lieutenant it doesn't mean you need to know everything 100 percent. but admitting that someone else knows something more than you Mm -hmm. is a skill that you know is hard to get used to and that's the thing is we all have platoons. We all have members that we're invested in our whole station. And there's a lot of people at that station that are subject matter experts on things. Oh yeah. You know, there's people in my specific platoon that I know that could do anything and everything with a chainsaw could do anything and everything with hose advances way better than I can. And why am I going to fake it till I make it? Because or not or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, and course. there's lives at hand. Yep. This isn't a time to, you know, be cocky or be arrogant and think that because I have this helmet, I'm going to be the one doing the cut. It's almost like the most neutral position you could be in. You yes. have to be absorption. Like you have to be able to see everything, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You can't have one bent sort of one way because you'll get tagged into that and then, you know, everything goes bad. Yep. Right? Yeah. The other saying? thing is owning up when you make those mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. That's you can you can spend years building up the the trust and respect of your your firefighters right but if you wait make one mistake and you're failing you're you're refusing to own up to it you can lose it just just like that right so so, yeah, so let's good. start with those mistakes then what are some you can remember oh no <laughs> my list might be a little the door's going yeah here we go okay well what are some of my mistakes well i've cavitated a pump about 50 times <laughs> Uh, what else have I done? 
like I said, you know, a lot of the mistakes get caught by my brother before <laughs> I make them. <laughs> so we both are on a lot of calls together. Yeah. So like he said, we work off each other. So, you know, I've definitely made those mistakes, but he's helped me through them very, very quickly. Or maybe I didn't even know I made the mistake because he fixed it. Right. And it's the same thing for our firefighters too. But uh, I don't know, Jesse, why don't you say some of your mistakes? Well, I can say one of Josh's. We were at a, <laughs> we were at a structure fire in Ashton, was it? Where you uh, let out the gatefold, the, oh. the pen full oh. of llamas? Okay, this is great because I was going to bring this up. Why are you going to bring this up? How do you even know that? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Inside oh, info. inside info. We have resources. Yeah. Anyway, so this llama thing, go ahead. Oh, God. Hey, I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> yeah, so llamas. Uh, I'm not a super country folk. If anybody wants to send us a little stuffy llama for Josh, <laughs> go right ahead. Yeah. I'm thinking of Napoleon Dynamite right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. Tater tots. Uh, first thing I didn't know, llamas are in Stittsville. Uh, so... Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, my crew, uh, we were doing uh, ventilation on a structure fire. And, you know, the fire was under control, had a great crew. I didn't ask them to freelance, but I asked them to go find the family members and see if there's anything we could get inside while we were still doing some overhaul, something that meant a lot to them. Because mm-hmm. there was it was a pretty big family, lots of kids. So I exited the structure, went to... Uh, side three of the structure to maybe see if that's where my two crew members were. I opened a gate and uh, it's pitch black out there. No lighting at the back of the structure. Hydro's cut. Uh, I had my little helmet light on and uh, fucking llama came running at me. Uh, it's most, llama. Uh, llama. <laughs> the most llama, terrifying llama, thing llama, I have ever experienced. <laughs> you know, we can talk about scary things on calls, but until you have a llama or llama running at you full speed and not knowing it's coming at you and then being oh shit i just lost a llama on a live fire ground and i'm not radioing this in this is how you know we're, we're from stitzville totally out of our elements on, on rural fires oh god yeah we're not country folks so, question do do llamas spit uh, uh they charge i don't know if they spit i'm sure they spit but uh i ran as fast as i could uh, I grabbed my two members. So, so you're running away from a llama. I'm running away from a llama that's already <laughs> ran away from me. Uh, because I didn't know how many more llamas there were. What, an elephant come out back? Are there? they like, in gangs? Like, who knows? I like, don't know. Is a circus or something? Yeah, I didn't is? know. I'm fighting a fire and there's a goddamn zoo behind the structure. <laughs> didn't know that. So I go and get my members and I said, guys, we got to go. What do you mean we got to go? We got to go. We got to go. So isn't it, you know, admitting your phobia is like, I'm afraid of llamas part of being an LT. Uh, if you remember the interview, it was not part of the questions. Uh, so I said, yeah, guys, I lost a llama. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, no, no, for real. Like we got to take a look. Uh, there's a llama that ran away. <laughs> what? There's a zoo behind the house. And, uh, I opened a gate looking for you guys. And, uh, so I pretty much, I needed to point blame. So I blamed it on them because at that point, again, you know, Shit I'm terrified. Just downhill, that's all. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, I'm sorry if anyone hears this, but I did not find that llama. No, no. Uh, but we were cleared before the scene was over. So, uh, another station hopefully found it. You yep. live in a good right. life in the yep. fields of Ashton. Yeah. <laughs> but Gotta we, sure. uh, we've, we've definitely made some mistakes. And uh, if you don't make mistakes, you don't know what you're doing right or wrong. So A lot of people are worried about making a mistake in the fire ground. And yep. One thing I like to rem- remind people is that uh, our job as firefighters is to be resilient and to yeah. solve problems. Yep. So if you don't mention an issue, 
mm-hmm. then we can't do our job. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's there's no shame in admitting it. Actually, there's a lot of fault in not admitting it. And that's one thing we're good at, right? Even if we don't know necessarily how to deal with the situation, we always make it work, right? right. We find a way. Yeah, we figure it out somehow. Yeah, adapt and overcome, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's the show I'm watching right now, SEAL Team, Jason Hayes. Nice. <laughs> Bravo 1. Oh, I love that show. Well, thank you. The, the oh, problem. my God. What is it? Such a good show, isn't I just, it? I so, just, you know, I, I yeah. didn't know it was on... Uh, it was on CBS. Yeah. .com, whatever it was. I started, yeah, I watched a couple of episodes and I was like, I'm hooked. That's and, it. And, uh, you know, I, you've served, so I, I have not, so I can't really speak about it, but it seems like it touches everything. You know, it touches resilience and mental health and it touches about dealing with, you know, mental trauma, physical trauma, brain injuries. It's it's so interesting. And that desire to serve yeah. no matter what. Yes. Yeah. And that's where the big struggle comes from because you yep. want to be there doing it, but you can't. Yeah. And there's a huge struggle in that. And, you know, it's it's funny you brought that, you know, wanting to serve. We talk about, you know, rural firefighting as being, you know, a part-time gig or an on-call <laughs> yeah. gig. It's part-time work with full-time effects. That's right. It makes us want to be around our homes more. It makes us, you know, be more involved in the community because we want to be able to serve. And the things that happen to us, the things we see, the things that we go through – you know, the, the friendships and relationships that we build, those are forever lasting. Yeah. So to say that it's just a part-time job, when firefighting in whole is you only do work part-time. Everyone gets the full-time effects. So, you know, I don't really like to always refer to it as that. Yeah. It's just the hands-on practical of letting lamos out is only part-time. <laughs> no, for sure. This job will, will take everything from you yeah. if you let it. Yeah. Um, but it's also the most rewarding thing I've ever done. You yeah. know what I mean? I think so. there's a bit of a misnomer out there that like a lot of people, new people coming on, don't always realize how much they're actually getting into. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like you guys said, like I like what you said earlier, Josh, about like you're not just serving a community, you're serving your community, right? There's a whole new sense of ownership on that. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a whole different aspect from like I'm sure urban ops, like, you know, in terms yeah. of, the difference there and it's not to say that some of the urban members don't no. live in the community they serve Absolutely, yeah. but they might not even have that opportunity to right. with us that's forced yeah, we have exactly. to. yeah so it's not a comparison per se that way but um you know it's funny when you go into a scene and i we saw you and i saw you in the last scene yeah right? you look good in all fire. that foam yeah right you got a lot of pictures <laughs> yeah. but uh what's really cool is you can recognize voices yeah on the radio and you know yeah. where your 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 you know your rookie class is yes you know tower 81 yeah. So I know those guys, right? Yeah. Like I know those guys. And when you get on scene, you're like, oh, someone I can work with. You know, someone you get. Tell us about 81. Tell us about District 8. Tell us about the stations out there. What are the unique facades of each station? Well, to start, there's to start, there's four stations in District 8. Right. There's 81, which is Stittsville. There's 82, which is Richmond. There's 83, which is North Gore. And 84, which is Corkery. Right. In District 8, we have adopted the two composite stations as well. So 41 and 46 right. both have pump tanks and service vehicle or squads. So 81 is close to the to the urban side. Yes, yeah. very close. Uh, extremely close. So a majority of our calls are operating with them. I can maybe let Jesse touch on that a little more. Yeah, we're, we're basically a suburban station. I would say, you know, 90% of our districts district's hydranted uh we have a small rural area you know fernbank flew and fallfield that area but most of it's heavily populated 
um, lots of houses, and we work majority of the time. Yeah, we work with uh, Urban majority of the time, which is good, but it also means we're under the microscope. Uh, the In what way under the microscope? What do you mean? Well, um, I would say we're, we're always being watched uh, on scene. Not to say that they're waiting for us to make a mistake, but... They the full-time people? Yeah, but they expect us to perform uh, just as they do, which we do, but... They might not share that opinion with us, but for the most part, our working relationship is is great with the the full time crews. Uh, just like anywhere else, you know, you have a handful of people who want to make your life difficult and and want to talk down on you, and that's fine. We we work past it. Uh, we don't let it uh, bother us too much. But. but it's a dying breed, though, right? Yeah, and you it know. Is, yeah. No bullshit. There's a stigma for volunteer firefighting. Yeah. We, we know it. They know it. Everyone knows it. So, you know, we want to be the station. Ultimately, what I focus on is 81. I can't control anything outside of that. But, you know, us as a station, we want to break that stigma. We want to be the most badass, most professional and efficient. I'm sorry I slapped my hands. It might be loud. I get excited. Uh, proficient and skilled firefighters out there where you can't tell that you know, we didn't have a condensed training or you, you can't tell, you can't possibly give us that stigma because we won't allow it because we are proficient, skilled firefighters in the city. And there's no doubt about that. We, so we, we, we are constantly trying to fight against that stigma. And I think that 81 is doing a really fantastic job. In fact, all of, all of rural firefighting in the entire city is doing a fantastic there's job. There's a lot of communities who don't even know that it's, well, until they show up. No. Yeah. Right. And you know what? I think that it's a double-edged sword because the community appreciates the aspirations and the commitment to them right. being a, a quote-unquote volunteer. But I think that sometimes, again, that stigma might come out where, well, are they trained the same? Yeah. Are, are they skilled yeah. just as much as a career firefighter? And you know, Ottawa's done a fantastic job, and you've already had some people on here that have really created that NFPA program for mm-hmm. Ottawa. That you and I, we didn't get weighed, we didn't get to experience that. No. We're going through it now. Well, we got, yeah, we got grandfathered in for the most. Yeah, time, yeah, but you know that that just instills what I'm saying is that we are the same. Yeah, we have the same skills, the same training, and. You can't fight it because we have a international, sorry, a national level certificate that says so. You also have to work your ass off to get on the volunteer side. It's harder and harder these days. You still have to apply. You have to pass the actual CPAT. You can't just waltz in off the street and go, here's a page like the old days. Yeah, it's not guineas anymore. No, and we shouldn't be because we're dealing with real lives. We're dealing with multi-million dollar properties. We're dealing with everything. So we shouldn't just be waved on through. That drives me absolutely nuts. I think Jesse and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both get frustrated when people come up to us, especially, you know, we're big on doors open. So a lot of people come to our station for community events. You know, we're teaching uh, kids all about fire. We have... We have tons of public education events and, you know, one of the teachers will come up behind us and they say, well, so like you're eventually you're going to be a real firefighter, right? That's the plan. Yeah. It's a, are you a real firefighter or just oh, a volunteer? God. Yeah. Drives I hate me that shit. Nuts. Yeah. It was the same thing in the forces too, in yeah. terms of reserves and reg yeah. force. Yeah. Same shit. And you're both deployable. The same. You're both trained the same. You get yep. the same BMQ, same land, everything. Right. So. 
Well, what makes us different than uh, the full-time station three minutes down the road, right? Yeah. Not a whole hell of a lot. Nope. Yeah. And, you know, in the rural environments, we also have the ability to go direct. Um, Does direct affect a lot? It can, especially in medical situations where CPR, the faster, the better. So sometimes we are the faster station. An example is if my neighbor needs help. I could be there much faster than anyone else, and I'm the one that's going to get that call. So we ha- we definitely have our advantages as well. Yeah. But it's just it's difficult to try to fight that stigma. I can see it in the community. It's hard to get mad at the community. They just don't know. Exactly. Yeah. There's zero references that yeah. they get for yeah. us. But when you look at someone who's an urban and a rural, you compare those two worlds, hey, I suffer PTSD just like everybody else. I saw some shit I wish I'd never saw. Absolutely. I did things on people I wish I never did. I would love to get rid of those. Right, but somehow demeaning my position as a volunteer. We're the Wild West. <laughs> we can go take a truck and go wherever we want. Yep. We can hang out at the station if we want. We actually go there to get away from stress. Uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Right. I, anytime there's stress, going to the station relieves it. We all have gyms. We have friends that we can meet up with. Obviously, COVID's thrown a bit of a wrench in it, but yeah. it actually is a de stressor. And, you know, it's something that I've always actually used in my career. You know, people talk about, well, why don't you go full-time with fire? Well, I don't want to because it's my outlet. Yeah, It's the thing yeah. that actually de-stresses me. It is something that I'm constantly looking forward to, and I never want to hate it. Right. I, I never want to hate you fire. Make I love like that you job. said that. And, we, you That's know, cool. there's a lot of people that hate their jobs. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying I'm one of them, but, you know, sometimes people, unfortunately, get to that point in their life where they don't want to work anymore yeah and i never want that to be fire for me i always want it to right. be something that i'm happy about going to and you know back to the whole urban thing and and that's that's no fault of theirs it's no bashing on them they are extremely skilled they are extremely proficient and they are great people and you know there's it's just as much our fault as it is theirs where there's sometimes bad relationships of course there is yeah and, you know, everyone's just got to work together because in the end, ultimately, we have a goal and we have the same goal. Yeah. And it's either to save a life or to put out a fire or to just build community relationships. Mm-hmm. And we all work on that same goal together. So there's there's no reason to fight. The full-time guys have um, a career that they, you're right, they're experts, they're really good at it. But they have a whole slew of issues they have to deal with that we just don't. We and, don't even see yeah. it. And in all fairness, we don't even know. We don't know. We don't know what we don't know. That's right. And, you know, there's tons of things that are affecting them. And just like there's tons of things affecting us. So, you know, what's the term? To throw uh, throw mud? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I'm not good something at that. We'll, we'll yeah. To throw yeah. something yeah. at someone, we shouldn't do it. That's right. So. Not love what you said there earlier because it's, um, you hit it right on the head there, I think. We, we don't know what they're going through. They don't necessarily know what we're going through. Um, we all serve the same purpose, brutally. I mean, that's just the one thing that's consistent of all of it. We just come from two very different ways of doing it. Yep. And unless we're unless we, unless we really lived it or spent the time researching it, we wouldn't really know. And I love that about this show too. Is we're we're talking about a solution. So how would you tell a station that does deal with full timers? Like, what's the best approach you can have going in? I think and you, you look at your brother. Right? I think That's you good. need to. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the answers. I think you need to educate each other on on how you do things, right? Because mm. they don't know how we train. We don't necessarily know how they train. They're, they could be questioning the quality of our training. Is it enough? Do we have enough experience? Well, come out and watch us train. Come out and join us. Train with us. 
Right. Let us come to your station and train with you. Then you'll see that we are the same, right? We have the skills, we have the knowledge, we have the experience. The only difference is we sleep at home, right? Right. And I'd wrong. prefer. <laughs> we we never turn off, right? Yeah. You're, you're on call and, 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 you know, you get used to it, but you're there's still always that thing in the back of your mind where you're on edge, you're waiting. Have right? you ever yeah. taken time off? Yeah. I have, yeah. 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 And uh, that's one thing that I really struggled with in the beginning was I gave too much of myself to the fire service, right? And I really overworked myself and because i had such a such a passion for it, i have such a passion for it um but then i realized you need to you need to put your family first right you need to have a social life you need to be willing to leave your house on the weekend and see your buddies you can't sit around and wait for calls every day and did you notice when you decided to take time off did it actually change how you felt it did yeah It, it made me I, I never lost my passion, but it made me a hundred times more motivated to do the job. But I also realized that, okay, I need to find a balance here, right? Work-life balance. That's a big problem, don't yeah. you think? A lot of people have that? Yeah. They can't find that balance to get too yeah. into it and yeah. it consumes them? Absolutely. I, th- I think that that's you know, a common thing that you know, we talk about PTSD and we talk about mental trauma. You know, I think that some of the trauma that I go through personally is it's not so much about what I see and what I experience, but it's not being able to see it, not being able to experience it where, you know, it's not that you're missing out, but it's, you're not giving back or you're not providing the service that you signed up for. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in the rural side get frustrated when they miss a call. And, you know, someone might say, well, today means you don't have to see the dead body. Yeah, but today also means it's possibly that I wasn't able to make a difference. Right. There's a rarity to it, too, though. You don't get all those calls all the time. So when one comes by and it misses you, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah. all that time I spent to be there for yeah. this call. Yeah. You don't know when the next one is coming. You don't know. Right. Yeah. And it's not that you want it, but you constantly prepare. So when you do miss it, it's such a letdown mm-hmm. in a weird way, right? And you want yeah. to be there with, with your fellow firefighters right you want to go through what they go through you want to share it and i think that's a big thing for the rural side is they want the experience right they're craving more experience more training yeah yeah like at our station i know we 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 push on tons of like extra training when possible weekend training uh another other evenings uh, even if it's just going to put a truck on air and doing uh, area familiarization right right it's huge yeah, I think that we need to start adopting that more, like across the board. Yeah, on that kind of stuff. I know we can't expect everybody to have that kind of availability, but no, we work around. Well, the numbers in the station will provide you with some people. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so you can get four or five yeah. to fill yeah. a truck to have a crew for a truck. But it's all doable. It's all doable. It's all doable. Yeah. And you know that's the thing. We are a family. You yeah. want to experience things with your family. You want to go through the bad and go through the good together. Yeah. And that's the thing with you know attrition and turnover. Is it's tough because you build relationships with these people and they leave and it might be out of their control. It might be because of control. They could have been using it for a stepping stone, right. but you know, it, it definitely leaves a hole in you and there's people that have left and come and gone through my period, a short period of time with Ottawa fire. And it's, uh, it's definitely affected me too, where, you know, you miss those calls with those people and yeah. you miss having that camaraderie. I'll tell you, there is nothing that you can compare 
with the level of camaraderie with fire. Now, again, I wasn't in the military, so I don't know. Maybe it was there too. But to be on a truck and to see you know, smoke in the distance yeah. and you know that you're going in there there you can't yeah. you can't explain that feeling yeah. to anyone with not just like your coworkers but yeah. like your family that's Legit. it that's it yeah. these these are your brothers and your sisters yeah absolutely and man. to see them succeed and to be there through their failures it's yeah. it's all part of what we we do together right. and um you know there's that's one of the things you know people have asked me like how do you measure your success as a lieutenant and i measure it by seeing the success of my firefighters it's it's not about me, you know. You're in a role to build them up, to build them with more skills. Yeah, there's nothing more satisfying than getting to scene and and watching them go to work, right? Yeah, and do the job successfully. There's nothing more satisfying yeah. as a lieutenant. You you literally get chills when you see how well they do, mm-hmm. and you know you just stand back there and just look up at the ceiling, pretending you're doing something, <laughs> but Speaking really you're not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hey, I roll hose still. Um, but it, it is one thing that, you know, you, our job is to make sure they're skilled and make sure they have the, the knowledge for what they're doing. And to see that come to fruition, it's, it's such an incredible feeling. Yeah. It's almost like you're passing on that skill and ability and that future to them. Yeah. It's amazing because like you described, you're seeing something come in the future. But having somebody being capable to step into that role means the world of difference. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you feel content. You feel that I would be okay if they showed up to my family. Yeah, isn't that like the best test yeah. of quality? Yeah, yeah. You know, you and I, we both do medical, but yeah. that, that it's so incredible to see someone, you know, get that. I wouldn't say incredible, but to see someone be able to properly, you know, put an OPA in someone. And there's nothing better than having looking back at who's in the back of the pump and having full confidence in your crew is yeah. Yeah. takes a huge weight off your shoulders, right? And you know, Jesse's heavily involved in the training, so you know, a lot of the time. I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, thankfully Jesse taught them. <laughs> but that's that's all the lieutenants and, and the captain yeah. at 81. Like, we all pay our dues. We all promote training. And it's not just us training. And that's that's another thing, too. You know, as an officer, you don't know everything. So that's that right. doesn't mean you have the ability to just stand back and did, monitor training. Did you find it that when you became an LT, more people came to you with questions? You're like... I'll get back to you on that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get a whole notebook with questions. But that's the thing is, you know, I've seen in other stations or I've seen even, you know, videos on YouTube about officers just standing there and not doing the training. Yeah. Well, I need to trust my crew, but my crew needs to trust me. Yeah. So if I don't do those skills and I'm not involved in that training, right. how do you know? And and what do we do as officers, Wade and Jesse? Like we a lot of the time we are standing back. So that one time where we aren't going to stand back, we better know what the hell we're going to do. So get involved in training in your station. Just because you wear that helmet doesn't mean it can't get dirty. But that standing back, that's a good point. That's something that took me some time to get used to as well, right? Is getting on scene and, oh, what do I do now? I I don't, I don't grab the halligan. I don't grab the ox. I just stand here and talk on the radio. (laughs) The first training I did, um, I started running, uh, we were running water out of, out of the dock and, um, uh, my old LT comes up and he grabs me by the back of the collar and he starts pulling me away. He's like, you stand here yeah. now. Aww. And I was looking around going, and part of me was questioning. So what do I do? <laughs> yeah. And he looks at me and he goes, you have to see everything. 
because your job is to keep them safe and to make sure they're doing their task and doing it properly mm-hmm. and all these things they can't see because they're they're so task focused. Yeah. You have to be the one with the 30,000 foot view. Yeah. And then be able to know what's safe and what's not, right? So that's what you're talking about? Yeah, Being absolutely. Pulled away. And it was so yeah. hard, right? Because when you're a crew member, you not tunnel vision, right? But you're so focused on your task. Like you said, you're not looking at the big picture. Yeah. And you really need somebody that's separated from the the, the task level to really observe the scene and, and keep an eye out for things. So. Yeah. I, I remember my first call when I was an officer. And it was a medical call. And the first thing I did... I went to start pumping on the chest uh, <laughs> and another officer was on the truck with me and you know, he took over command and I was in the officer seat too. So like I was set up to not do that, but being a medical instructor and but do you find you get pulled into that because people know you was that, uh, come on, you know, you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And you know what, again, I, I want to be able to use my skills too. So Maybe not so much as an LT, but when you're a firefighter, it yeah. was like, okay, get in here. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, he talked to me, the other lieutenant after, and he said, ah, that wasn't the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, sometimes you get a little defensive and you try to justify it, but... You're still jittery from the call. Yeah. But, you know, he didn't say it right after. It was... Oh, okay. it was <laughs> no, we didn't hop in the truck and he said, you fucked up. <laughs> no, he, uh, he talked to me after, uh, a bit after, and I said, you know, thank you, because I need that... I need people giving me criticism too. Sure. That, that's the thing is, again. The higher you, know, you go, the more you get. Oh, he, tell me <laughs> about it. Um, that's the thing is, you know, there's criticism that needs, constructive criticism, of For course, sure. that needs to be given at all levels. Yeah. And I love it when a firefighter comes up to you and says, respectfully and professionally, you know, LT, you fucked up. And you, you realize and you say, you know what, because... I didn't see the task level or mm-hmm. I don't have that specific skill to the degree that you have. You're totally correct. And thank you. And, you know, teach me, teach me mm-hmm. what I need to know because there's, again, going back, just because you're a red helmet doesn't mean you know the world. So on, on that level of, of, um, sort of supervisor level, is there a training that you wish you had that we don't get in Ottawa fire? Well, I know when I got promoted, we already had the NFPA Right. So, oh, well, outside the regular NFPA stuff. Yeah. I mean, um, have you dealt with, with situations you're like, you know what? I wish we had training for this. Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, it's nice to sort of build your own leadership style, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, your own way of, of dealing with people. Um, but yeah, some training would be great. Uh, HR training, stuff like that. But right. It's like more just... Inner conflict type. Yeah, it's more just re- yeah. building relationships and how to how to speak to people and, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Is if your career outside of if your career outside of fire isn't talking to people, mm. it makes it a little difficult. Yeah. So you know you definitely see that some officers as they move up the rank, you know they're talking to a homeowner on a residential alarm, and they're just kind of standing back. And in our eyes, you know, it's just another alarm. We're going to reset it. But in their eyes, well, is my house burning down or? Yeah. Yeah. Or did my house almost burn down? And it's pretty traumatic. So we might not see it like that, and we might not have those communication skills or that awareness. But you know, we need to get better at realizing that just because it doesn't affect us, it doesn't mean it's not affecting them. Yeah, in and, a big way. And what's little yeah, to us yeah. might be the biggest thing in the world yeah. to them. Any calls so far? I think we talked about the urban side. Is there a call that went really, really well with the urban side that you guys dealt with? 
in fairness, most of them. Most of them do. Okay. Most of them. Yeah. Um, you know, the the calls where we have a lot of time with them is usually where, you know, we really get to show our skills. An yeah. alarm, a lot of the time we're staged and we're cleared. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be prepared. You know, we still need to have our BA on ready to go. But yeah. the longer calls, like the working fires and... You have more time to build that working relationship with them, right? And they can see your skill and your knowledge. Whereas alarm calls, we get cleared before we get there or we get staged on scene. They don't see what we're capable of. They don't Mm. see us work. Mm. The only thing that's left is their their assumption of us, right? And vice versa, though. They might stage on our calls and we don't see them either. Like, we can't put a face to the radio. That's right. Um, So we definitely need to build better relationships. And that could be... Something as simple as, hey, we're going to have a barbecue at the station. Bring your pump over. Yeah, yeah. Because no one's going to turn down free food, right? Right. Why would they? <laughs> yeah, that'd be just silly. <laughs> so in terms of the urban experiences, I, share some stories about how awesome some things were, the interactions you had or some you know cool wins you guys had together. Uh, I, I think that you know a lot of the time when we're dealing with rural, and Jesse, you've been on this situation a lot, but you know, rural water, that's our baby. Yeah. And... If there's an opportunity where it's an urban pump and a rural pump hitting the scene at the same time and you know one of them's doing water supply, yeah. oh, the brakes hit pretty hard on that urban pump. <laughs> so That's good, right? They that's re- good. They recognize, they recognize the skill. And they know yeah. when to yeah. look to someone else. Yep. And, and that's I, I, we appreciate that because you know that's our specialty. And it's not to say that you know we all shouldn't know how to do it, right. but it's kind of – it's a it's a sense of they trust us. They trust us with water, which is ultimately our savior in a fire. That's right. And to get it to them quickly and efficiently and continuously. Yeah. And that's what we always focus on. Again, you know, Jesse kind of touched on we have a lot of hydrants in Stittsville, but it doesn't mean that we don't have a lot of property outside of the main suburban village where there's still no hydrants. Yep. So we still need to do it. And if, you know, some of your viewers don't know, 81, it does What's that? Listeners. Listeners? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're on a podcast. <laughs> listeners. Soon to be viewers. Yes. yes. Hopefully yes. down the road. Yeah. My bad. So if some of your listeners don't know, you know, 81 doesn't just respond to 81 calls. So just because we're saying that we have a lot of hydrants, it doesn't mean we're not going to go some other district and have to do that task. Right. So we definitely, we appreciate when they kind of give that that opportunity where someone might have the highest level of skills because a real incident isn't a time to train. That took time to develop that right. for the, for both sides though, right? That took Absolutely. time for them to understand, but that's over time, right? It's not going to happen right away. So if anybody's listening, that's in an area like that where you're dealing with, you know, other competent stations are full time and there's hydrants. Yeah. It takes a, it takes a ton of time yeah. for them to develop that understanding that we have some skill on that side. Absolutely. And you know, you shouldn't just walk in and believe us. Mm-hmm. We should demonstrate our skills. Because, you know, we're all A-type people and we want to see the hands-on work being done. Yeah. And until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. So it's fair. It is fair. Yeah. And we might get butthurt about it and, you know, disgruntled and think that it's just a, a battle. But in the end, it's fair that they need to see it. So there's sometimes you'll see or you'll hear of stories where someone will go to another station. So, for example, if I walk in 81 and I start looking around and start booking at things, um, I think there's an unwritten rule. Respect everybody else's station if it's not "quote unquote" yours per se, because yeah. everybody has a dynamic in a station. Yeah. Right? Um, as long as you go with that respect, I don't think anyone's going to get mad at you. You know, you can check out, do whatever you want, really. Just treat it with respect. 
at the end of the day, though, we're all one fire service. So it's one emblem, one service, no matter what station you're at. And you'll see that sometimes butt heads. And I want to hear your, your uh, stories about this, too. Have you ever been at another station when a call comes in and you jump on the truck? I remember one time I was I was I, I brought you. I remember right. that too. I yeah. was I was a brush fire in Richmond. Oh, I was so thankful you were there. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a lot of fun. So you're welcome. Yeah, no, that was great. <laughs> that was my first time in ladder truck too. There you go. Not on that one. Um, oh, was that a different one? That was a different one. Uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah, it was a brush fire. I don't even know if you were on yet. Uh, he was across the street at like MTO or something. I could have swore he came yeah. to a brush fire in the pump in Richmond with us. <clears throat> oh, maybe. No? I don't know. Maybe maybe you just actually like maybe. a. 81 secondary responder. I, don't know. <laughs> I remember I was there and you, you came to the station. I was there to see Diane about some other paperwork. And then uh, you came up, you're like, you have your gear? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, let's go. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I love about this too, is that yeah. we're all one service. And right. as long as you know each other and you're willing to accept the help, mm-hmm. then I think that's when we're at our best. I think we get into our problems when yeah. you look at it and say, well, who's, is this your station? Oh God, I hate that. Yeah. I hate when people start getting yeah. that. Yeah. I think we don't go to other stations that often just because like all the training and stuff just because we have the space tends to take place in our yeah. station right. but that being said we have a lot of other people in our station a lot of the time right yeah which 99.9% of the time they're totally respectable and 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 they work well with you know when we, when a call comes in they get out of our way so we can get on the trucks they keep our parking spaces clear stuff like that and we've brought lots of other people on the trucks right yeah. pump and tanker for sure uh the tower uh depends just because you know it's sort of a training. specialty just yeah. like we wouldn't get on a water rescue right or, or a heavy rescue i would absolutely jump on your brush truck <laughs> it's beautiful <laughs> it's a but, beast but it you is. know especially when we're when we're running low staffing we're more than happy to have those yeah. people jump on our trucks yeah it sort of sounds like the culture's like kind of shifted because i remember paul carrier saying that that was led the norm, the norm back in you know 80s 90s whatever pre amalgamation and, and briefly after that but now it seems like there's a lot more kind of i want to say like tribalism isolationism between the stations yeah. and it's nice to hear that that, that kind of stuff still happens right yeah. now and then yeah there's i think there's a benefit in you know like pride and ownership like this is our station right, right? these are our trucks but at the end of the day, like you say, they're not ours. They belong to this to the Ottawa Fire Service. And exactly. They're just as much yours as they are mine. So if you have two people responding to it with a ladder or a tower, and you're like, holy shit, is anybody else going to show up? And yeah. then all of a sudden, buddy comes from, you know, that you recognize. You let's say, hey, fucking get in yeah. here. Let's go. Yeah, and we have people that specifically respond to 81 from other yeah. stations yeah. Uh, during the day because they're working in that area and they've made That's some right. arrangement with right. their yeah. workplace where yeah, it's like us with 66 they're That's allowing right. to go you guys are 66 backups yeah. uh i think Wade is for sure yeah. and we okay. have some other people that are yeah, yeah. That so are, uh, we actually we have a district six uh, lt that responds and uh sometimes the captain of 4146 so uh captain st john he okay. uh he tends to be at the station a lot and you know why not st john the yeah, the, the muscle guy. Yeah, Schwartzy. yeah, Schwartzy. yeah. It, uh, That's it, awesome. It's definitely the thing that you know. I think both of us, Jesse and I, like to see those. We we try to give it to our firefighters first. You know, time is of, of the essence. Yeah. So we're not going to waste time waiting. But if they're there, again, you know, respect the station. It's kind of like an unwritten rule that obviously an 81 firefighter is going to get on an 81 truck. Of course. If we yeah. have room, or if we yes. really need you, then absolutely. Yeah. 
but we need to our job is to kind of protect 81 that's that's right. what our job is we, yeah. we advocate for our station we advocate for all of rule but and the entire service i think but, the rules dictate you, you almost don't have to because it makes perfect sense you guys are trained at the station trained with your equipment it is the right choice yes yeah yeah, yeah. So I don't think there's an argument to, <laughs> to have yeah. for that. But if you do have the opportunity, you know, sometimes we're going to be exhausted on a scene. Yeah. And I just, I don't have anyone else. And to allow someone to kind of, you know, pair up with someone on your specialty as long as they have the basic knowledge of it, mm-hmm. it. It's pretty incredible for them to see, you know, if no one's ever been on an aerial, it's a little scary if you haven't. But it's also very it's exhilarating uh, to be up, you know, 105 feet in the air. And there's a story you get to tell everybody. It, absolutely yeah. you know you know that story and they're gonna say it's 300 feet in the air but that's right yeah. it feels like it it does feel like it yeah the swaying and the wind and it's yeah. uh it gets to you it's a real thing yeah yeah so in terms of being an lt now let's talk about um onboarding uh new recruits what do you what do you like to tell your new recruits when they're coming in how do you set the set the stage i mean coming from your your experience but how do you set the stage for those those people uh, I think normally we bring them in and we, we give them our expectations, right? Because a lot of time they don't know what is expected of them, right? So we give them our expectations. They'll tell us their expectations. We explain the, the, the commitment that they're making, the, the, what we expect of them, the, the, uh, oh, I'm not sure. The what rules of the, the yeah, the, like. how we operate, you know, let me throw something in there. So we're going to put out something called hashtag ground rules. So each station has their own hashtag ground rules. So uh, Martin said something really good the other day in the training. He said, you know, if you want to really make my day hard and make me get really, really mad, when we pull up, the first thing you should do is get out. (laughs) Okay? That's the first thing. And he went on about all these things. Just if you want me to be not so warm and cuddly, do these things. Yeah. So... Start with hashtag ground rules. What are some ground rules you want some rookies to know? It could be one-liners like, don't get out of the truck until I tell you to get out of the truck. <laughs> Keep right. your portable radio off until you get out of the truck. <laughs> oh, that oh, yeah. echo. Yeah, that's a big one. Embarrassing. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, watch your driving to the station in your mm. personal yeah, vehicle. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Yeah. Mm, you have any add? Well, everyone at 81 knows one of the main rules is you have to listen to Nickelback. Uh, I'm what? not sure that's a real rule. No. It All right. Thanks for coming to the show. We'll yeah. see you. <laughs> you know what? You guys, you can and hate it. Done. You can love it. You can end it right there. But they'll appreciate it. You know, funny story. We actually got a little thing, uh, you know, Chad Kroger he, in our uh, bunker room. There's a little photo where it says, uh, look at this photograph clip, you know, and it's him holding a photograph, but it's got our 81 logo and we give it a tap every time we hop out on a truck. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, it's just, you know, funny little things that we've yeah. adapted where, you know, everyone gets involved with. It feels so. that connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to carry on with what Jesse's saying, you know, we don't, uh, we don't want you to freelance. That's just a kind of written, unwritten or sorry, a written rule, not unwritten and uh, be involved. That's the big thing. Yeah. You know, you get new people and they don't quite understand that commitment. Mm. Oh, Monday night training, no problem. Make a couple of the calls, no problem. Uh, that's the minimum. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> yeah. We want you there constantly opening up those trucks, mm-hmm. working on your skills. Because the community doesn't give a shit if you're not available. Because they're going to expect you're available. Right. The community doesn't give a shit if you don't know something. They're going to expect you know everything. And that's what we expect. We, we're we going to hold you to the same level of standard that the community holds you. And 
they just want to be saved. They want the fire to be put out in their house. And you need to be the most skilled person on that truck and know how to do it. So you are dedicating way more time than what is actually written down. So we need to be realistic about what the commitment is. And that's something we tell them. You know, you're here today, you're getting your pager, but, you know, we hope you're here tomorrow too. And then the next day, and then the next day, opening up these trucks because, uh, you know, maybe it's a rule, an unwritten rule, but if I say, go grab the Halligan, you need to know where it is. That's right. And we don't know what they don't know, right? Yeah. So they need to tell us if they're unsure of something and we'll get them the training on it. The other thing that's big for me is, is appreciate what you have, right? Appreciate the responsibility you've just been given. There is so many people that would kill to be in their shoes. Yeah. Uh, I know at our station we have many more applicants than we, ha- than we hire each year. Um, and it's a huge responsibility you're given and it's, it's rewarding and have fun and, and appreciate it, but work hard. And, uh, another thing is the, st- I heard you mention using it as a stepping stone. Yeah. I think that's great. But while you're at 81 and you are, you're working with us, you belong to station 81. Your priorities and your commitment are to the station, not to getting on full time and right. and leaving, right? Yeah. So I have no problem with them using it as a stepping stone, but while you're here, you're here and we expect a lot out of you. Yeah. Don't join up if you're going to hit the minimums. That's yeah. just the reality. Right. I used to like saying that somebody would say, oh my God, isn't it great to be a firefighter? I go, well, at first it was <laughs> because once you get to the station, that's the minimum requirement to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're like the lowest on the totem pole. Yeah. So now you got to start earning your way in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, everybody's welcoming yes. and helpful yeah. and they'll train you and they'll stay there forever till you mm-hmm. learn it. But if you're not going to be there to up your game, exactly. you shouldn't be there. Like the NFPAs that's, and stuff are great. They're yeah. awesome. But that's the minimum. It's yes. like coming that out of university. Yeah. Oh, I have my degree yeah. in this. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's not going to help you. Exactly. <laughs> that's why a big thing for me, like like years mm. on, isn't that that big of a deal to me, yeah. right? Because call volume experience. Yes. It's nothing. Yeah. You could have somebody Huge with ten difference. years on that 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 makes almost no calls, right? Yeah. But you could have somebody with three years that has triple their experience <laughs> well one thing i mean i don't know this might be kind of an obvious question or, or maybe not and way you jump into but i was i always try to wonder why it is that people have this sense that volunteers are second rate i don't know whether it's they don't think we do the same job or we don't train enough or we don't i don't know what I have an it idea is. about that yeah i think it's because if you look at the whole of the rural firefighting system like not just auto we look at everybody yeah, yeah nobody's as trained as well as we are i was gonna agree yeah Yeah, that's exactly what i was gonna say like i think that's why and they also have the old school volunteer firefighter mentality from you know however many years ago where it was come sign up right here's your here's your pager and they did their best with what they had and 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 what was available to them and no good on them you think it's more just like a lack of like education that we you know obviously kept up with the times and have totally progressed and stuff i think it's labels so like the term volunteer really affects the (laughs) (laughs) the word volunteer really affects us it's in yeah it it it, it adds to the stigma so that word volunteer even though like correct me if i'm wrong we're not really volunteer right no we're paid there's some pay there's some awesome training that we're paid to take 
and you know they're covering the cost of that so it actually is a a part-time or casual position you know Mm -hmm. we already touched on that earlier but you know there are some services out there that are legitimately you get nothing and you are paying for your own yeah. bunker gear. You're paying for things. You're you're fundraising for for new trucks, yeah. new yeah. equipment, and now you get videos of everybody doing all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. You have this expectation, or at least the viewer does, has yeah. an expectation of what nine one one is, and mm-hmm. they see this and they go, "What is happening?" Yeah. The tactics, right? They don't even know what tactics to use, no. and it's not. I don't want to say that it's you know their fault. They're doing their best, like Jesse said. It's just that's what. It's on their plate. It's yeah. the hand they were given. It's expensive yeah. to get what we have. Oh, oh God, yeah. We're incredibly lucky. Yeah. Like, the it other is thing, very fortunate. The other thing I think that they think about is the response time, right? Yeah. That's a big one for the public, I think. Louder. Yeah. <laughs> you want me to repeat that? No, I heard it just from now on going <laughs> okay. louder. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you hear how long it may take a truck to get out of the station, that could be nerve-wracking for people, and I understand where they're coming from, right? But... Um, when you consider where the next full-time career station is, is it going to be any faster? Probably not. And at the end of the day, if the tax base doesn't support that service, that's the way it's got to be, right? You can't justify it if the money's not there. And you have to look right. at it evolved out of that need. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like you said, it, it, they had what they had with what they had. And yeah. And the call it. volume, right? It depends obviously where you are in the city, but do you want four career firefighters sitting in a station, not going anywhere for four days? Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. Not for the money. No. Yeah. No. 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 Because the amount of times that actually gets called out versus. Exactly. I don't want to ever get it down to a dollar amount per call. No. No. But the reality is, you, you know, you can't fund other things that would make your culture in that community better. Yeah. You know, what's, like the social stuff. Yeah. What's the term? Like, if, it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are incredibly lucky. I know I already said it, but, you know, it is so nice. The trucks we get, the tools we get, you know, the city has done a phenomenal job to give us what we need. And they're pretty open too about if you need something else that might not be, you know, what's on the list for that truck. If you have a specific community need, um, it it makes sense and they'll usually get it for you. So what is it we can do as a podcast and firefighters for the people listening that may not have all these resources? How would you improve a station? For example, how would you improve training? Right. That's tough. Um, I think, uh, you need to take it into your own hands, right? And and make the training that you can get as high quality as possible. And, you know, if that means this the service needs to buy equipment with their own money, you know, so be it. But... Uh, what about being creative? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, training needs to be fun. Yeah. And training needs to challenge people. This is a job where people are come to be challenged. Right. And if you're going to just sugarcoat training, not make it realistic, yeah. not challenge the firefighters, then what's the point? We all want to be better than we were yesterday. Yeah. And we're always going to try to strive to be better for tomorrow. So if we don't have something that's going to make us get better, then we're not going to be involved. When you really look at a station, I think there's a couple of key factors that make that station effective. So mustering, right? Yeah. Rolling community, yeah. understanding where your you know, logistics are. But when you get to that scene, whether it's a medical or an MVC or a fire, there's some key issues that always have to happen. If, if I think for me, it would be if I was running a station, it was in a smaller place, I'd make sure that everybody coming in there can do those key things every single time. Yes. With their eyes yeah. closed, 3 a.m., half asleep. It's fine. Yeah. Anything after that, I would start going sort of more interior stuff, you know, more creative that way. 
but I would I would harp down on the on the response time and on deployment. Yeah, Those it's two. the small stuff too that makes a difference, right? Like bumping your your gas detector, mm. stuff right. like that, yeah. That, yeah. that that you know how to do, but it may have been so long that you did it last that yep. you you know you forget. Yeah, so. get a check sheet for each member that's there, yeah. and and have them review, have a have a, a, a laid out training review over a period of time, so that you can always make sure you double up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know yeah. at our station, I just put it out one night, and I said, everyone, before you sign out, bump the gas detector on your way out. You know? Yeah, people want to feel like they've done well too. So you need to give a lot of positive to your people. You need to make them feel like they are important. And if people don't feel important, they're not going to stick around because they can just leave that door and never come back. Have they let down a lot of people? Maybe, but it might be the best interest in their mental health. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the firefighter coming first. That's really the rule here. It's our mental health. It's our safety. When you guys became LTs, what did you change anything at your station that you thought was lacking or that you needed to be improved or just upped a little bit? Yeah, I don't think anything major. But one thing we did do is we really upped the intensity of training, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Uh, more realistic, more uh, time sensitive, you know, real time training. Frequency as well. Yeah. Right. More training. Uh, you know. So do you guys do more than just the, the Monday night? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. On like a regular basis. Like if minus COVID, we're doing yeah. three, four nights a week. Fucking right. So yeah. we'd go out probably on a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Just a couple hours here and there. Yeah. Set up the tower. So how do you guys do that? How do you guys organize all that? It's, <sighs> sorry, I cut you off. It's a lot of interest. So, you know, it does make your station kind of shine who the key players are in a way. Right where you say you put this out there and you say we're doing this training on this day obviously if people aren't available it makes sense but if it's a saturday a majority of your station is monday to friday and you see people just join up and if there's extra people we're not going to turn them down we're going to find something else for them to do um you know it might just be like jess was about to say doing aerial training well we got two extra people well now we're going to practice flowing the tanker into the aerial so if, if people are going to be involved in training, we're going to take advantage of it. That's awesome. How long have you, be, uh, have you guys been doing that? Oh, probably a couple of years. A couple now. years. Yeah. Now. Once Jesse got to the lieutenant rank, I think yeah. that we both kind of noticed that we wanted to increase that. Um, and we worked together on it. And there's other lieutenants involved as well. So I yeah. just don't want to take the credit for us. But that's one thing is we're, we're constantly striving to be the best. And, you know, I tell them that you guys are the best. You guys and girls are the best. Sorry. That's awesome. I have full confidence in them because they have confidence in me and it's a mutual respect and it's mutually shared that the accountability is on each other. Right. And, you know, you need to really get involved. You people, again, you know, we talked about being a part-time job. Well, that's a bare minimum. It's not really part-time. It's, right. it's a full-time thing. How many people are there that when you joined that are still there now? How um, many? No. No. 10 maybe. Yeah. I had to guess. And your roster is full at 30 ish? 25? Uh, so 81's roster is a little higher. Okay. Like marginally, two, I think, or something. Yeah, we're about 30. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're maybe just shy of 30. We're going to be hiring. So if anyone is just wanting to, <laughs> we'll probably hire a couple people this year. Uh, but we, uh, we equally spread it out the opportunities. We're never going to you know, nitpick and say like, we're going to give extra opportunity to you, extra opportunity to you. We want the onus to be on you. Right. And that's where you really find your firefighters that shine. 
is you give them that responsibility. You give them that onus where they can say, I want to be training. You know, I want to be better. What is that? Do you find that the number one reason why people end up leaving is because they're not challenged enough? I think they get to a certain point that they don't have the same drive and they don't get what they used to get out of it. Uh, What the reason is for that, I'm not sure, but I think they get to a point where it's just not worth the commitment anymore. And is that interest? People's, people's lives change, right? They have children, they move. Yeah, they so aside get, from that, because yeah. we know those are the ones that take, well, there's no control that we yeah, have on exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. But for the people who can stick around, for those people, their attrition, how do we how do we ensure that they stick around? What do you do? Uh, I try to get them involved more, sit down and talk with them, ask how we can help you become more involved. What right. do you need from us? Is there something specific that's causing you to not respond? Um is it is it just because the calls happen to be at times you're not available, or is there something more to it, right? So you're taking an active approach in what they're doing. Yeah. Like Captain Carrier said, you want an active understanding of their life in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, right? I think Jesse and I both are on the same page. We don't just – we're not just a lieutenant. We're also someone that genuinely cares about what's going on in your life. Yeah. And, you know, that's another thing, too, being in the rural community is that some of these people all grew up with each other. And I may have grown up with people that I'm now their uh, supervisor for. So, you know, you already have that investment in them. And uh, you need to give them opportunity to shine, too. Yeah. You need to give them the opportunity to to feel important because they are. But you need to give them the opportunity to show off their skills, show off the experience that they bring to the table. Because a lot of the time it's the, you know, 10 plus year members that we have that we struggle with. Right. And they have tons of experience they can share with the more junior uh, firefighters, but it's just getting them to the point where they're excited about it and want to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So it's giving them opportunity to lead training, uh, letting them lead equipment checks, you know, ask them what they want to train on, give them opportunities like going on your NFPA courses, your 1041 for instructing, uh, paratrainer courses, right, offering it to them. Mm -hmm. So you're taking an active role in what their interest is. I know you've been this for 10 years and it's kind of dwindled off. So in terms of the, what's available now, because you only get usually one or two spots for that, for a pair yeah. chair. How do you separate that out? Well, Who do you give that to? There's basic foundations that fall under your 1001, 1002. Yeah. Or sorry, 1001 level 1 and 2. And, you know, if they can complete those skills, they can also share those skills. Now, obviously, 1041 is the way that you would do it according to the NFPA. But if they know how to use a chainsaw better than anyone else, better than any other person with a red helmet in that station, why are they not the person teaching it? Yeah, well, yeah I think we use work experience to our advantage a lot. Like Speaking you know, of that, so what do you guys bring to the job? Because we haven't talked about your careers yet. <laughs> uh, I'm full-time uh, heavy equipment operator. Like backhoes? Yeah, a little bit of everything. Trucks, everything. Yeah, yeah? wow. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, I'm a special constable. So you're just a volunteer for Yeah. Type. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> your volunteer uh, policeman <laughs> that's uh that's a european term uh but no special agent special agent right. yeah no i'm a special constable with the city uh so i'm a transit constable right so i deal with all the uh matters along the transit system so train so bus. you lay charges you yeah uh execute arrests. warrants yeah. lay charges effect arrests go to court um unfortunately chase after people yeah uh you know sometimes people don't like me sometimes people do <laughs> Uh, so how how's that experience helped you in the fire service? Because actually, you were on the fire service 
I actually got hired the same week. Same week, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot at the beginning. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Training for both. Um, ultimately, the best thing was my communication skills. Uh, I definitely have a lot of communication skills that I've adapted from the special constable job that I've carried over to fire. Right. And because there's a lot of independence in my other job, it also allowed me to kind of become more of the person I want to be. And it was allowed me to kind of bring it towards fire too. So if I wanted to be someone that was really, you know, invested in being a leader, I could kind of work on those skills the best I could over there and then carry it over to fire. How did it happen for you to become an LT? Uh, it was Jesse again. I don't know half the stuff that goes on. How how did I become an LT? (laughs) Uh, I guess you applied at one point. (laughs) That could be it. So this is station 81 out in Stisburg. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, it was a, it was a vacancy. So what happened was, uh, our captain, um, became the chief. Right. And one of the lieutenants moved up to captain and there was a vacancy. So I don't know if anyone knows how the kind of rules work and rule, how we get promotions, but it's vacancy based. Right. Um, so there was a vacancy. There was a couple of people that applied great competition. There was another firefighter that's uh, now not at 81, but fantastic firefighter, super knowledgeable, tons of time on, um, you know, we both went head to head and, uh, you did the exam, you did the interview, a training component where you had to teach the chief something. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that was a funny one. I taught the chiefs how to arrest someone. And uh, no one's ever going to forget that. <laughs> no. And uh, it was also how to search someone, too. Yeah. And uh, the chiefs left a lot of knives on people. <laughs> so, no, it was, it was good. It was a great opportunity. And honestly, if uh, you ever have the opportunity to go through it, go through it. Even if, you know, you think that you might not ha- have the chance, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Even if it's for an acting list. Even for an acting list, yeah. It's incredible experience. But I was successful. Um, again, you know, it, I was probably right down to the hair. And uh, I was successful. And I got the helmet. And I really didn't know what to do at that point. It was a little confusing. It was a little, yeah. it was a little weird because I always knew how I was doing something. And I thought I had to change and that was something you know I should have brought up earlier I didn't have to change I felt like I needed to be someone different I felt like I needed to take a different approach at things and I didn't other than stepping back and you know overseeing things yeah. I really didn't have to change and it was a lot of pressure on me that I just felt I had to be this new person but I, I didn't how'd you overcome that <sighs> well it was you know, did, did your brother he, tell you you were an idiot? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, turned to him. At that point, you know, he was not a lieutenant, so I could still tell him what to do. Um, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> but uh, I think it was just continuing to have relationships with, you know, the firefighters and, you know, bonding with them and making them. F- they didn't keep me away from what was going on. They kept me included in things. And I think that that's a misconception that, you know, once you become a lieutenant, you need to just remove yourself from mm-hmm. your firefighters. No, because I, that's why I'm here. Because I can be a person they can come to. Because I have a relationship with them all. Because they count on me and I count on them. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here. And to say that you need to just completely disconnect yourself from that, it, it's wrong. Because the second I would have disconnected, I would have lost who I was. And they would have not known who I was anymore. So that trust that I worked so hard to build as a firefighter level is gone. And I, I'm not able to see what's going on in their lives either anymore. So 
I think it's the same for Jesse. I can't speak for him, but you know, it's well, not anymore, not anymore. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's definitely something that, you know, I struggled with at the very, very beginning. And I don't know, I couldn't tell you a time point, but something just hit where I said, I, I don't need to change. Just keep doing what I'm doing. Usually the best leaders are the ones that are, that are really good at what they do. And everybody thinks of them as a leader anyway. Yeah. So getting their helmet is just more of a yeah. last little part yeah. of it. Exactly. How did your experience go? Uh, when I applied, there wasn't actually a vacancy, I don't think. But uh, I applied to the acting uh, application call, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, went through the same process as Josh. Uh, interview, written test. Uh, did you struggle at any one of those? Um. I think the training uh, course I struggled with a little bit because that was new to me for sure, teaching people, right. like present presenting, and especially teaching people with so much more knowledge than you have, right? It takes some time to get used to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but uh, luckily I placed first, and then... Uh, what was your topic when you taught? Uh, building construction because of my uh, construction background. Right. So, that's awesome. So I'm sure that helped you because people up top want to know that the firefighter in that position is going to know something. Yeah, like for right. sure. And, you know, my my past work experience, I think, is huge for even now, you know, it helps me along as a firefighter, like, big time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anybody from the trades, you know, it's I huge. Think anyone advantage. from any job yeah. really has, like, you know, someone who works as a cashier at your local grocery store, again, communication skills mm-hmm. um organization tracking or, exactly like every single yeah. job brings something to the table and you know people when they do their application they rank themselves so low oh my god they get pig- they pigeonhole themselves don't they yeah and i i think you know you need to think outside of trying just, not to be overly confident right? yeah don't don't lie and say you know you've been a chief in germany um <laughs> once hello yes but uh you know be honest think about your skills and how you can apply them and yeah you kind of you you knock yourself out before you even get the opportunity because you're not you're not able to be honest about that everyone doesn't want to think great about themselves right yeah everyone doesn't want to say oh i'm really good at this but it turns out you're a lot better than what you're actually ranking yourself so in you changing over from this idea that you had to be different Mm -hmm. how did you know that was a thing i think a lot of people run into that I, I don't know. It's just you think that because you have a new position. No, I mean, how did you know? You're like, geez, I, I don't need to change. It's, it's hard. I, I couldn't pinpoint it, but I just felt like the way that I was approaching it didn't feel natural. And I was struggling, and normally I wouldn't struggle like that. So I said, you know, I'll take the opportunity to just do it how I always did. De- dealt it dealt did it <laughs> we'll but, come back to you in yeah a second. No. <laughs> but uh yeah do it like i always used to and it just it felt natural again so you're on the acting list yeah when did you get put into officer um shortly after i finished the competition we had a temporary vacancy so our captain was bumped up to sector chief right so a lieutenant moved up to captain and then i was acting for quite a long time i think seven or eight months maybe i was in an acting position and then once that chief position was filled full time uh captain ended up stepping down which moved a lieutenant up and then opened a position for me right and how was that transition for you um i think the acting uh like acting for for six months seven months prior was huge like gives you a chance to get your get your feet wet right a few people get that chance to do that and uh, 
I didn't appreciate it as much at the time. Like I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get the permanent spot, but looking back, it's huge. Like, because yes, you have all the, the roles and responsibility of a lieutenant, but there's people helping you, right? Everybody's there to help you and they're understanding that you don't know the role a hundred percent. Right. So, yeah, it's amazing what you think, you know, then you yeah. get there and you're like, no, oh, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank God for Diane. <laughs> Every episode, we should say shout out to Diane. Yeah, because without her, nothing happens. It's oh, true. Yeah. At all. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. that's the thing, you know. In the fire service, people think that you know we're just going to leave you to hang, or mm. you're on your own, and you're absolutely never on your own at every single level. I've never experienced that once. Yeah. Not even close. Not even remotely. Mm-hmm. Have ever felt that I was alone in anything? Yeah. We're never going to yeah. throw you to the wolves. You're never going to be set up to fail. Yeah. Right. Because again, when you fail that could be someone's life so why would we ever do that so when you got to your lt position what what so far has been the hardest thing for you to to overcome um like i said earlier the big thing for me was just managing friends right because i had such a close relationship you mean and friends still versus do. like okay, your role as a firefighter now i'm talking to you as lieutenant now yeah so okay. so we're now close friends but you're now you're now telling me what to do, right? Which is a difficult balance. And it's, it's, a, it's tough to navigate, but I think uh, it has to be mutual respect on both sides, right? Recently, I had said to this firefighter, listen, people around you need to know what you want. You have to say it like this. I want this, this, or this. Don't go, I want this. Uh, but, you know, maybe we can, you know. And then after the call, they came out to me and said, hey, uh, LT, just so you know, you don't have to be nice to me about that. It's like, what are you talking about? If you think I should change, just tell me I'll change and I'll absolutely do the change. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And they said, we may all be tired right now, but don't think for a second that I don't respect what you're telling me. And that was the best thing I could have ever heard as an officer, yeah. that I had the respect of the floor. Mm-hmm. And they helped me understand how to communicate that. So what's the best way to communicate in your experience to an officer? Um, That's why I gave you the story up front. Yeah. So yeah best way to communicate as a firefighter to an officer yeah because i think a lot of people are unsure what to do what to say how to act don't you find that yeah for sure i'd say the first thing is do it at the proper time uh on scene in the middle of an incident's not the best time to don't get me wrong share your opinion and if you notice something is wrong and there's a safety concern bring it up immediately but uh if it's a personnel thing or if it's a it's a questioning of of direction um, I see no problem with someone coming up to me and saying, I think you might have done this wrong, or I think we could do this better next time. Uh, be prepared to explain your reasoning, why you feel that way, but uh, just be respectful about it, that's all. So if you have an issue as a firefighter of how an officer talked to you, what do you suggest, that, how they handle it? How they spoke to you? Like if you yeah, so issue, if you, as a firefighter, you have an issue about the way an officer treated you or said something to you, Yeah. Um, whether it was your tone... that's a tough one for sure uh how would you suggest to that firefighter that they talk to you about that because remember we're all about communication here that they can't tell you how they feel yeah that just festers becomes a cancer right yeah i would think that if if they don't feel that they can approach that officer that's more of an issue with the officer uh they need to be approachable right Hmm. like if they need if they if that firefighter feels that they can't approach that lieutenant and tell them what's bothering them then Either they just might not have the confidence to it. It might have nothing to do with that lieutenant. But uh, they should know that, you know, we're there for them. We're there for them. We have their best interests in mind, and they're open and free to come with to us with anything. 
And so if they can't talk to their officer directly, yeah. what should they do? I would say at that point, if you can't speak to your officer, I'd bring it to the captain. Uh, if you're more comfortable, would with you them. go to another officer? If you feel that that's appropriate, but I think at the same time as we have a chain of command, there's also times where you need to go elsewhere, right? Like I don't yeah. want to say skip a chain, but if that first link is not feasible, you need to go to the next one, right? Right. So speak with your captain and that captain will bring it to that lieutenant. See, I'm going to say the reason why I think they should do that and not go to another officer mm-hmm. is because the first thing the other officer should say is, why haven't you taken this up with your officer? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Right. Because that addresses the yeah. the control within that chain of command. And I would agree with that. So if you, if, if you don't feel like you can, you should go to your captain because the captain's job is to ensure the communication stays open between the platoon and their officer. Yeah. Not to get involved, yeah. but yeah. to ensure that communication's there. I agree with that. What do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. And like he's saying... I think that that would be a failure on the officer if they feel like they can't approach that officer. You know, we do, no one wants to give discipline. It's not like it's something we, you know, enjoy. It's unfortunate. And a lot of the time, not only is it a mistake, but it's a failure on us. It means we weren't, we weren't monitoring them closely enough, or we weren't watching the training that's needed, or, you know, we just, we need to be held accountable too. So, you know, mistakes are at all levels. Yeah. So I don't want to discipline. I really don't. I hate, I hate discipline, but it's, it's definitely an approach that's probably best to go up to the captain because, you know, you hope the other officer, the Lieutenant says, why didn't you speak to your own? Yeah. And then, you know, there's concerns that maybe they'll go tell that Lieutenant. It's just follow the chain. This, the, the, fire service has it for a reason it's privacy issue too right yeah but at the same time i know at our station we have it's it's an open door with any of the officers right yeah like yes you have your platoon and you have your officer that your lieutenant that you report to Mm -hmm. but at the same time you're free to speak to any lieutenant that you want to because you may be more comfortable with a certain person yeah uh they may have more knowledge on a certain task or a certain problem than the other um yeah so as far as you know uh, HR related stuff like that. It all, you know, it goes to your respective lieutenant. But anybody in the Ottawa rural sector, if you ever want to get really good advice, talk to Diane. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure her door's always open too. Well, that's all we yes. do. When she brought you into the us. service, she can take you out. Oh yeah. <laughs> you just email Diane. She yeah. fixes it. Yeah. 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 You could literally send her anything, and somehow she'll come up with an answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think these are, these resources. I think a lot of firefighters don't see. Yeah. No, just thinking because we've got three officers in the room and a firefighter. Why don't we just ask the firefighter what he thinks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, now look who's on the spot. So what do you think? What are your options? Say the question again. <laughs> so if you had an issue with your LT. Yeah. And you didn't feel comfortable talking to your LT, what do you think your options are? I don't know. Uh, so maybe it's biased because I'm his officer. So. Yeah. yeah. It seems like he's getting he's a little squirmy about this one. Well, no, it's, I mean, like there's definitely... I like it actually since you guys were talking about it, there's definitely things that I would probably talk to like Wade about that I wouldn't talk to other officers about and maybe vice versa a little mm-hmm, bit. Yeah. There's always gonna be people that you're you know, you're gonna know what to talk about with and what not to, but or what your kind of comfort level is. But uh yeah, I don't know. If if you can't get at what you're trying to look for with one person, I would say try somebody else. You know, yeah. not to be disrespectful to 
to no, any, any officer in particular, but I wouldn't take it as disrespect at that yeah, point. No, I yeah, mean, because you know, like you're gonna get you're gonna have a rapport with certain people differently than others, yeah. you know. And uh, um, I think the best thing for officers can do is to, like you guys were saying, and what Paul Carrier was mentioning, like know your people, yeah, right, know their strengths, know their weaknesses, know what makes them tick, what makes them get fired up and what what calms them down or whatever what and then you can notice when something exactly yeah 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 yeah. so it's really to answer that question what you're saying is um you you had to work up the relationship up front absolutely and so if it was difficult to talk to somebody it's because we didn't do that originally absolutely yeah you need to have open communications with your officer but you need to also invest in them like i was saying earlier take the opportunity to meet them one-on-one meet them as a group Mm -hmm. you don't have to always meet them at the fire station, you know, exactly. going for a coffee because that's that's the reality of the job. I like we your work term in. to invest because, yeah. like, recruits are an investment. New people yeah. coming on are an investment, mm-hmm. and especially like when you're promoting someone to an officer level, that's another investment, yeah. right? You're trusting that that person's gonna assume the role and be responsible with it and excel at it and yeah. and learn. And uh, it's it's not a entitlement thing. It's not like you know just because you did all the courses and now you're a lieutenant. It's like it's not. I don't know. I feel like it shouldn't be a sense of entitlement that like, okay, this is mine now. Yeah. Whereas it's like, it's a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. When that's I huge. got the red hat on the first call, I, my, I, my head was on a swivel. Yeah. Just, yeah. what am I missing? What am yeah. I missing? Yeah. You realize you're responsible What's for going everybody. On? Yeah. Everyone. And, and not everybody focuses on that. They forget that a lot. That's, yeah. They that's really what do. I've noticed. Yeah. yeah. Scary. It's a scary position. So when yeah. you got on as a firefighter, when you got to the station, how do you feel? Well, to me, it was kind of different because, like, I came from a purely military environment where just it, the whole culture is just different. Um, so I didn't know how to kind of react or how to conduct myself necessarily. You I, walked I, in and saluted, times. didn't you? So I didn't know, like, what to do. I'd like, do I look at an officer in the face? Do I <laughs> no, fucking... No, for sure. It's, it's, yeah, you it's can imagine like, that would be different. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. And then, you know, you kind of get used to the, the culture, the environment, how people treat each other and what each each ex- expects out of each other in terms of officers and black hats and et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, takes a long time when you first come into a station to, to get the feel of, of yeah because you want to prove yourself right you want to prove that you're competent that you're involved that you yeah. know, people are gonna see some amount of respect in you mm-hmm. and you know and obviously you know you're, you're just gonna have to get that through experience and showing up and proving that you belong mm-hmm. you need to find where you fit exactly the station exactly. you don't want to overstep but you don't want to you know yeah and yeah. i think it's part of an at least in my opinion i think officers who are are good officers know that and know how to see recruits as an investment and that they're a person and that they have to find ways um, to get that person to excel. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of expecting them to, I find it's something our captain's been good at actually because with new firefighters, he'll put them in a platoon that he thinks fits best for them. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's really super with their skill set and experience. That's good. And we have two at our station where we've developed like a mentor program where, you know, firefighters... Just, just pull, pull the mic close like that. You don't have to lean in all the time and point it like you can actually point it to your face. I don't point know where my face is. There we I'm go. in trouble yeah. with this. Yeah. You could yeah. put it back a little bit if yeah. you want and just turn it. <laughs> actually, the top gently. swivels, eh? The top swivels. Yeah, oh. yeah. yeah there you go. There, now you can just... Now you can turn it closer. To. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. No, you have no idea what you're doing. Oh, maybe it. I might have to loosen it up. This is good. No? There you go. <laughs> I just went right back to where it was. <laughs> this is good. 
Yeah. So at at our station, um, we have this kind of mentor program where we've assigned firefighters where, you know, they are kind of at that first echelon of being leaders where the entire officer corps recognizes it Mm -hmm. and we'll assign them with a new recruit. And that gives them a firefighter to firefighter relationship that, you know, wouldn't say forced on, but it, it has someone at their level watching with them. Right. And then the lieutenant still gets involved, but it, it keeps like an automatic relationship. As soon as you come in, this is a person you can count on. This is right. a person that you can be open with. They're at your level. They know, you know, what your needs are because they were either more recently in your position or are still in the position you're going to. So, you know, that mentor program has really helped out a lot of the new people that have came in. That's a wonderful idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. I think it makes them more comfortable, too, to ask questions and tell those firefighters what they don't know. Rather, they might not be as comfortable to tell us. Mm -hmm. Not that they can't, but, you know. It also, it's two-way street. The firefighter, the recruit benefits, and so does the firefighter that's in that mentor position. Mm. Because, again, you know, it's the first echelon of leadership and... We, we, we already said we recognize people on the floor. And if we can't give them that red hat, give them an opportunity to share their leadership skills. And this is one of the ways that we do it. That's a naturally occurring phenomenon, too, the whole mentorship program. But, but you yeah. guys are isolating it to ensure yes. that it happens. Yeah. Yes, we, we don't want them uh, to be without. That sounds similar to what Serge was saying a little while ago about having two IC. second second in command. Yeah, it's a yeah. 2IC type thing for sure. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't really come to us unless they have a logistical issue like anything right. tactical mm-hmm. anything to do with equipment questions right. would go to their things that they know they can get answers for but if you're asking the soft questions like yeah 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 you talk yeah. to other firefighters been there yeah yeah, yeah it's like sure. getting that understanding of what the culture is and yeah. how to conduct yourself i remember we had one, awesome. one of our recruits maybe two years ago you know they'd come in at 7 p.m and you don't show up at training at 7 p.m but that's when it shows on the schedule right that's yeah. when your training is so, you know, the mentors all said, well, you know, guys and girls, you're supposed to be here really at like 645. Don't show up at seven. That looks yeah. really, really bad. That's something we as officers didn't have to address. It's hard though, too, in a way, because you got people like me, for example, my lifestyle, the way I live, yeah. it's hard for me to show up right at seven. I got oh, lost yeah. to do before I get there. Yeah. yeah, we're, it's understanding people think happen or things happen sorry, in people's lives. But as long as that's control. consistent yeah. and it doesn't drag off after mm-hmm. that, that's when I would get concerned. Well, 705 becomes yeah, 715, 730. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's great. Like, we have a lot of little things that we're doing at our station that's helping build camaraderie, helping build relationships and skills. And I think, you know, we're pretty proud of it. And we're very, very proud of our firefighters. What distinguishes 81 from any other station? Hmm. It's tough. I think that... Uh, well, there's no denying at the call volume, right? Yeah. And I don't mean to sound cocky by any means, but more calls means more experience. Now, with the more rural areas, it's usually quality over quantity, you know? Yeah. We get lots of calls. A lot of them are alarm calls, maybe canceled the second we leave the station, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that's still still experience. Every time that pager goes off, it's experience. It's getting, it's staying calm. It's getting in your vehicle, driving to the station responsibly, getting on the truck, getting geared up. The driver of the apparatus, you know, driver training for them. Mm-hmm. It's all training. It's all experience. And whether you get to scene or not. You still did those. Yeah. I still remember yeah. my first call. It was a priority two, CO, no symptoms. The back end of 81. Like we're talking 20 minutes away. That's how long the drive is. I was the first one at the station. 
I was packed up and with my flash hood on before anyone else got there sitting on the truck and oh, that adrenaline dump. And then not <laughs> leaving the station priority one was like, such sadness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I worked myself up so much yeah, yeah. because I didn't have anyone to talk to. I didn't even really know, you know, how the priority one priority two thing, right. all I'm thinking of is get to the station, get that pack on and go. And when I got there and it was just like, I almost fainted because I was so amped up and I actually asked the captain. Nothing's, I remember. That hasn't changed. Yeah, it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> I remember though asking the captain, I said, uh, Cap, do you mind if I do a 360? He said, oh, it's already been done and, uh, you know, we're getting no symptoms or sorry, no readings for the uh, CO. And I said, no, no, like I really want to experience the 360 because I just needed to go walk or I was going to drop. <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, yeah. Okay, Josh, if you want. So, so that's what I mean, right? Every time you hear, you, you get more used to hearing the pager go off, the less yeah. your adrenaline spikes, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And, and there's the experience comes in, so now you're, you're on a calmer level to make better decisions. Yeah. Which yeah. is huge. Yeah. yeah. And and that's that's contagious, right? Your calm demeanor, same way panic is contagious, yes. right? Yeah. Keeping cool on scene and staying calm, even if things aren't going the, the way you want them to. Do you to? think that's really important at an officer level? Yeah, 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 because I've I've lost my composure before, and you can see that the plate- or the truck loses their composure too. Yeah, and, and you know I I've, I have no problem admitting my failures and where I've done wrong, and yeah, for sure, if you're not calm, like without calmness, there's chaos. Right. So it's it's very important. Difficult yeah. at times, for sure, right? Yeah, but yeah. does that break trust in your firefighters? You think? I don't think it breaks trust, but. Or at least affect trust, maybe. Yeah. Questions it, or mm. maybe like if you want to see an officer blow up, you're like, oh I shit. I could see a questioning. Yeah, I could see a question, uh, question confidence in the experience. I guess the knowledge. Yeah. 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 But uh, it's just when when you get a, tr- a crew off the truck on scene that's all amped up, running on adrenaline, they're going to mm-hmm. crash hard and they're going to have yeah. serious tunnel vision, mm-hmm. and they're not going to last long. No, it's going to need so many squenchers. <laughs> and, and you know... You guys don't have squenchers? No, no idea. Are you serious? That's why I looked at him like, the, what the hell did you just say? juice that air management brings, you know, the little powders. Oh, my God, those yeah, are yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, the blue ones, totally the best. Yeah, the best ones of every color. I'm going to kick yeah. you out of the house. Yeah. yeah, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that now. Oh, my God, I'm such an asshole. <laughs> That's what you get anyways. You're just making me bring up my fucking llama story. <laughs> I think, though, that, it, you know... It's effect on leadership. Yeah. Yeah. With the effect that trust the firefighters have on, on, uh, yeah. on uh, command. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, even I made... When I was in my first... I was acting for a couple weeks before uh, I took the full-time position. And I remember... I think you were on the truck. I had a CO call. And it was my first time ever being in a... Uh, command as a, an actor I don't even know if I was an actor actually but I was in that position and uh, you know I got on the radio and I heard dispatch call my my command name and they asked for what the readings were <laughs> and I said uh, yeah got a hundred they said uh, confirm a hundred I said yep yeah. <laughs> hundred million parts per million <laughs> And uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, not not realizing that the million is obvious, so I figured I had to say a hundred million parts per million. 
So uh, the dispatch was like, uh, sorry, command, can you confirm 100 million parts per million? And I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I was so certain on that. No, no, that was not the case at all. No, I, I don't. It was another firefighter. Thankfully, he goes, no, no, it's, it's 100 parts per million. Oh, I am. I'm so dizzy right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> it better be 100 parts per million for oh, saying that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's, uh, but, you know, another thing, too. You know, I made a joke about squenchers. I so rudely cut you off. Sorry. Yeah. But that's yeah. Uh, how dare you, Josh? No, no difference again. He has the skill. I have the talk. But uh, it's uh, it's important too to recognize you know people's limits and physical limits and mental limits too to recognize when you know we're exhausted. You, you know they're gonna keep going. These are the hardest workers you can ever find. That's the reality of firefighters. And in rural, you know, we don't have a cutoff time. We're gonna go twenty four hours. We're gonna go thirty five hours. You know. I can't believe the amount of hours District 6 put in for that tornado. You know, it's yeah. it's incredible. And and again, because you're all working off each other's adrenaline. You went home to sleep, then you went back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, you need to recognize when you need to take a break, when your firefighters need to take a break. Yeah. Oh, I want to keep going. You know, I just want to put that out a little longer. No. You know what? I'm going to make a decision. We're going to get off this truck, and we're going to drink some Gatorade, and we're going to have an amazing burger from the Salvation Army. (laughs) We're lucky enough to have so many rigs coming to a fire that you can look back and see three crews standing at accountability. Take advantage of them, right? You don't need to overexert ourselves for no reason. Don't If a crew's worked, it's 100%. It's out. Why not go in a bunch of times at 45%? And that takes a lot of discipline, too. Because everybody just wants to be in the shit. And everybody has different levels of of endurance, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just like you have to work to... You just like the first one to go low on air, yeah. Dictates yeah. when we when we get out, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that was my hand. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it's we. That's things people don't realize. These little things that officers have to look out for. You know, making sure people are hydrated. Well, you think you can hydrate yourself? Well, when you're so task orientated, sometimes you forget. And you know, our goal is to make sure that they stay hydrated. Yeah. They're they're fed. You know, you might have tanker operators. And I've seen it, you know, they are driving for 18, 20 hours yeah. straight. They, they, I wouldn't say they're forgotten about. No. But a lot of times people put them on the back burner because yeah. they're driving. Yes. But really, they're driving, you know, what, 20,000 pound Big vehicles. Big fucking Lego one. Yeah. Going Party through one. traffic yeah. still. Yeah. And Extremely focused on. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones most at risk yeah. at having damage done or, yeah. or causing. Especially with like inclement weather, like as yeah. winter ops, like holy shit. Yeah. Mm. You well, you start to zone storm. out after you've, after yeah. you've ran so many loads of water. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, you know, we don't have that, you know, CVOR time where we have to actually sit out or anything like that. But it's. Well, shout out to. Um, uh, Chief Bell for doing that because he makes he he understands for some reason that's always at the forefront of his head. Yeah. So the last call we had with the the uh, the garbage fire. Yeah. Uh, it was always cognizant of that. Yeah. And and you know that's things we have to think about. We have to think about the people that aren't even actually in front of us as well. Yeah. We need to think about the entire totality yeah. of your station. Right. Um, one red helmet might be there for the three eighty one trucks, and you know and the the actors or the officers in those seats are responsible but ultimately it's down to us where we need to look out for everyone and not just 81 i don't want to say that we're responsible for everything and we're Mm -hmm. all responsible for each other but uh yeah that's something you know i've had some operators that have done legitimately you know 10 15 hours of tanker shuttling and you know you want to tell them take a break and they say no no i'm good for a couple hours more no like you know we don't need an accident we don't need something happening take a break I'll get, I'll there's get that difference operator. between ur, uh, urban and rural, right? 
Yeah. So they get switched out. Yeah, I don't know their times, but they do get switched out. They get forced switched out. I think it's with their collective. But there's a reason for that, though. Yeah, burnout. It's smart. (laughs) Yes. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah, we're we're being sort of the quote-unquote, you know, the keeners of it all. Yeah. But the reality is for safety concern. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how many of you have ever pretty much blacked out on like brush fires or something like I, I've had it happen and that's a, you know it goes back to you know part-time job full-time effects mm-hmm. you could have injuries that last forever because of this so mm-hmm. yeah you know well, you we got to, home at 4 30 yeah a.m. after was it 14 hours something like that yeah, yeah. Made it like what seven eight in seven in, in the, the morning, morning and then we we cleared off around midnight 30 but yeah you, you you guys had to stay a little yeah we got there we got to call it two okay and then we finished at 4 30 okay so yeah 14 hours mm-hmm. ish yeah yeah okay. we try to cycle crews in and out but at yeah. the same time especially during the day right yeah it's hard everyone we have might be on scene already but yeah. there, there, there's a conundrum in a way when you think about it so rural water supply was needed for that fire yeah and then you get the urban guys coming in or sorry urban firefighters coming in and now we're going to stay 14 18 whatever yep. uh we only get switched out when the chief or our mm-hmm. officer makes us do it you have to maintain that that position of of view yeah you can't get you know scuttled into something so at one point i got stuck at bringing the trucks in for the porta tank dumps mm-hmm. and then i was like oh screw that so more rookies here we go so at the end of the night these three rookies knew how to run water supply yeah it was a brilliant mm-hmm. thing yeah right but that was causation as a result of having to be an officer staying back here so what is it you really want to talk about what is it something you really think the show could benefit from i think we've all already benefited a lot from the show I mean, I've learned tons of things. You know, it's good to put it's good to put faces to voices, right? And it's good. Well, what have you learned? Well, you know, I, I've done the spot there. I, I'll, That's a tough one. I'll say that uh, <laughs> sixty six hundred is much. You know, I don't know a lot about him, but it, he's extremely personable based on the podcast that I listen to. Yeah. He's got a ton of experience. Yeah. Um, the only thing I knew of uh, Captain Carcino was. Uh, our, he was our RTO when we first right. started right. and I didn't get a lot of uh, talking with him through that period of time so it's nice to see that and actually uh, we had a quick chat when uh, we were switching out we brought in 66 oh, right. yeah and I chatted with him for a bit and you know great down to earth guy it's awesome it's awesome to have a captain that's personable yeah and um, at all levels and you know it's it's great to hear that from him and um, yeah it's just good to see outside of firefighting about these people or what they can yeah. bring to the table. You know, we're talking a lot about firefighting, but again, my views, my opinions, my experience may vary extremely different than what, you know, 66 is doing. And we can learn from each other skills or we can learn, you know, just different approaches to things. And it, I really it's, enjoyed uh, Captain Carrier's uh, mm-hmm. episode. Oh, yeah. It it's nice yeah. to listen to somebody that's been around so long that... Mm-hmm. Has seen yeah. the progression that we've been that they've went through is insane. You know, from yeah. from I don't want to mess up the names, but I think it was Tor Bolton to West Carlton to yeah, that's right. to Auto Fire to Fire, and then pre and post amalgamation and what they had to work with in the past compared to what we have now. Like I couldn't imagine it. Yeah, but, but at the it, time, I give it, they thought it was. Yeah, you know, it's good yeah. to put into perspective. You know, we can order, we can go on the computer and order an axe, and it's there the next morning. It's like we're so spoiled, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I think the fact that we all know that is a benefit um, to them, they'll really enjoy hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
something worse than have what you have like oh, why don't we have it like right now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well that, the nice thing about like paul's story is that it's his story like that's his experience but it's also the experience of so many other people mm-hmm. yeah not just in ottawa but also all over the place like that that captain there um uh, luke luke shaw yep shout out to centerville a fire department they're all the way out in new brunswick and he was like man when i heard that episode mm-hmm. it just like it just hit home with them so much because it was it's, it's exactly that's their reality that's their story yeah and it's it's really cool how you know one person coming on the show is really reminiscent of like so many other people's experiences too mm-hmm. um yeah yeah, yeah i, I just really, cool. really want you know the firefighters to know like how important they are yeah because you know we say you're a volunteer firefighter they might think that they're replaceable but they're not replaceable. The amount of effort and time and commitment that they've put in takes yeah. years to get that back. And, you know, I, I'm so thankful that they exist and I'm certain the community is too. And it just makes my job easier. It makes everything so much easier when they're committed. And, right. you know, you need to give props and kudos where it's due. The amount of calls and hours put in by the firefighters, you know, I can only answer to our station it's it's astronomical. Well, it's, even just recruit class, y- y- yeah, recruit yeah. class now oh, with yeah. the NFPA, it's very and, demanding. Yeah. They they need to know how much they're appreciated, mm-hmm. and you know how much we maybe don't do a great job in saying that. Yeah, but you know I hope that they can realize you know yeah. we're nothing without them. Exactly. It's a big it's it's a big production to get someone you know from you know the CPAT you know recruit or application phase mm-hmm. to a train phase right yeah. the amount of money in bunker gear the amount of money in training yeah. and scheduling mm-hmm. and booking all these different like you know the, the training center and all that stuff it's a it's a it's a for one firefighter like that's huge yeah it's a big amount yep. of time and it's an investment like i said like it's so if anybody's thinking of joining keep that yeah. in mind the amount of money time and effort and energy that goes put into you yeah exactly mm-hmm. you know you should ask yourself whether you deserve that or whether someone else would deserve it better. I, yeah. I think you hit it right on yeah. the head, Wade. It's, right. You do really truly have to look at yourself and say, you know, am I able to give myself up that way? Yeah. Does your yeah. life accommodate it? Right? Yeah. Not everybody, yeah. And not exactly. everybody does. Like we, you know, we have people who, who have moved on because their life just doesn't allow for it anymore, right? They have yeah. children they need to look after. And some people can manage that, some people can't, but they have other commitments outside of fire. And at the end of the day, you know, family comes first and, and full-time job comes first a lot of the time, right? Yeah. And we we appreciate everything that they have put in up until mm-hmm. up until that point. But mm-hmm. At some point, for everybody, at some point, it's time to, to hang up the helmet, right? Yeah. It's not yeah. for us to judge that. No. No. Yeah. No. And when it's, when it's ta- your time, it's your time. And, and you know, you like i said in the beginning this this job will take everything from you and and <laughs> yeah and you will carry it with you for the rest of your like no matter what you do it will change your perspective on life forever right how's it yeah. changed yours so far just the you, you see the the how fragile it is right mm. and yeah. how how easily it can be taken from you just from a from something so simple mm-hmm. yeah. that gets me the simplest things yeah and yeah. just the the destruction that people go through that you don't think anything of until you're there on scene, right? Yeah. It, it may be just a house. It's just it's just you know things, but they mean stuff to them, right? And there's things that can't be replaced, and you know that's really important to them. How's it changed you, Josh? 
Uh, it's similar to like what Jesse's saying, you know, anytime, you know, a family member leaves the house, I'm just waiting to get that page that yeah. it could be their car yeah. because it is so easy. It's so easy for something to happen. Right. So um, many times I've, I've seen a MVC come in on the pager and immediately call my fiance. Where are you? Are you okay? Cause yeah. it's just, it's just, you have that little lump in your throat, right? Oh my yeah. God. Is that her? Yeah. Or is that you, you're, you hear the pager and you almost scared to look at the address. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely made me, I think it's, it doesn't just change my life in, you know, anything negative. It, it's absolutely the things that you are going to experience, the relationships you're going to have, the skills that you're going to obtain will benefit you tremendously through life. Absolutely amazing. You, you can't, you can't even compare anything to what we do here. Um, but the reality is, is that there are things that take a toll on you. Um, there's, you see people at their worst and you see others see people at their worst. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that, you know, I have trouble dealing with is it's not, I'm not going to say this lightly, but it's not the, the dead body in front of me. It's the person living, seeing their loved one dead in front of them. To get the phone call. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, I remember I went to my first VSA and there was, we were doing CPR on the person and the AED has a metronome. And the metronome, for whatever reason, didn't turn on right away. And it was a whole family gathering and it was, it was a mother, it was a wife and it was a sister. So it was a lot of family members there. And, you know, the father or the husband was uh yelling you know she's gone she's gone she's gone the kids are crying and he hears the metronome and he said oh guys she's back thinking it's a pulse right and the police officer looked at me and said is is she back i said no it's it's just a metronome and he turned and told the husband i don't want to give you false hope It's, it's just their machine making the noise it's it's not a pulse and to see that 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 glimpse of hope and then it taken away again, you know, getting hit twice. Yeah. It, it was it was something that stuck with me for sure. The whole family just went, you know, ballistic and, and rightfully so. You're losing someone that means everything to you. Yeah. So, you know, that's those are things that you're not gonna forget and you don't realize how much of like when you go into it you think, Okay, yeah, it's gonna be tough, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't realize the full of you don't realize the full effect it's gonna have on you mm-hmm. and and I know it affected me for years without me even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Right? I I didn't notice anything was wrong with me, but other people did. Mm. So they're the ones that know best, right? Your family, your friends. I know it's been said many times on the show, but yeah, that's you know I deal with that too. I get extremely frustrated when I can't be there to help, and it's that's a double edged sword, right? You yeah. want to be there, but you know the dangers and the and the stress and the power it has over you yeah. once and you're there. But people don't always realize, you know, it's, it, again, I, I said it earlier, but I struggle with not being able to be there. And that kind of, you know, sparks my trauma mm-hmm. because I, I feel like I'm, I'm not letting someone down, but I feel like I need, I need to give them me. I need to give them all of me. So it, it, I find a lot of challenge with not being able to give help. And right. it's not always about giving the help. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these things, they, they affect you it's you're going to see the reality you're going to see body parts you're going to see people 
headless. You're going to see people hanging on for their dear life, you know, with the last little bit of blood in their body. It's just the reality. And I think yeah. that we need to really prepare people for that. And we need to support them through that. And things as officers too, we, we try to mitigate that the best we can, but sometimes mitigating it from our firefighters is exposing us to it. Mm-hmm. Right. So we might be the one person that sees the body and say, ah, yeah, cold black. Reduce exposure, but yeah. it's going on somebody, right? Someone's got to take that hit. As an officer, my first call with the, with the deceased person, that's, that's when I realized that what you just said, mitigate for everybody else, but mm-hmm. damn, you're the officer now. you got to go look. Yep. yep. You have to confirm what yep. your firefighter said. So. Someone's got to do it. And, you know, I mean, did we sign up for it? We did. Mm-hmm. We, we signed up to take totally. that responsibility. Yeah. And again, you know, part-time job, full-time effects. These things will last forever for you and you know it's it, it can be stressful it can accumulate and sometimes you need to just take that break so and you know it's very hard to take that break you won't. and if you you know if you can't take that break or you can't realize that you know someone's and someone above you might have to make that decision for you the analogy that was given to me was it's like uh it's like a cup and every call you drop some water in it right I'm sure you've all heard it, but, and then the bigger calls, it's more water and eventually it gets to a point where it's just going to overflow like a waterfall, right? And, and here's the thing, when it does overflow, what people don't realize is not the one thing that comes back, it's all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they don't see that. Yeah. And when you, and you start realizing, like I said this before, my wife will say, um, the first time it really happened with me, she said, you're going to call somebody or I will. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I was an ass. I was completely, yeah. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was mad all the time. My fuse was this big, mm-hmm. you know, screw it. And then, uh, yeah, it was one of those questions where you'd say, what did you get out of firefighting? Yeah. And I think the best thing I could describe is but there's times when I get this realism of, I really don't give a shit about anything that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Material shit is yeah. That's yeah. the thing. You know, someone will say, you know, in my other job, I'll, they'll say, your paperwork's late. Are you fucking serious? I just saw a six-year-old get decapitated and you're going to come at me about some paperwork? And it's the reality. You're going to you're going to react like that. But you have to understand, right, that that to them that that they can't comprehend that, no. right? They can't wrap yeah. their head around it. And it's it hard because it, it's on us to having to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I can see what you're saying though. Exactly. Yeah. You get that feeling. You're like, how do you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And same you with nice? your spouse. Like they can be understanding and, and want mm-hmm. the best for you, but they can't feel it themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's super hard to just explain to someone, you know, they'll, they'll say anyone out there will say, well, what do you, what do you experience or how do you go through things? And you, you almost don't even want to tell them because you don't think that they'll ever understand. <laughs> and you know, sometimes people will do great at understanding because they have different approaches, different experiences in their own life as well. But, you know, that's something that I think, you know, fire's done a good job where they've made firefighters peer support. Yeah. Yeah. They've made people who know what we're going through and have been to similar experiences. Hell, they might've been on the same experience and, you know, they've been given tools to deal with those issues and it's, it's probably something that's been the most helpful for people. You know, I, it's something that I do and I don't even just do it for my crew, but after a call, you know, it's almost like an unwritten rule where we'll, we'll sit down and have a coffee. Yeah. The debrief, the defusing of it, it's to reduce trauma 
And it's, again, it's not just for me trying to make sure you're all okay. It helps me too. And I think that, you know, some people might not realize that, you know, being able to share my side of the story too, definitely helps me reduce my trauma from it. Well, you know, on the first aid side, we always say it's the golden hour. Yeah. Yeah. After a call, you have a golden hour. If you talk a lot about it right then and there, Mm -hmm. when the emotions are high, it doesn't stay with you as much. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us, makes our challenge unique too, right? Because... A lot of time we don't have that hour after with people need to get to work, need to get back to their lives. So we need to go chasing them after. And sometimes Mm -hmm. some people don't want to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear from us the next day. That's right. And I don't blame them. I've been in the same position. But just the fact that somebody is calling you to check in on you, it means something to them, I'm sure. It reduces that stress to a degree for sure. And and I think, you know, we've always said it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And I heard this once from a, a psychotherapist, actually. And she said, you know, it's okay to be okay as well. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of stress put on people sometimes where, you know, the public or other emergency services just assume you're not okay yeah. or are pressuring you almost to say that you're not okay. Yeah. And it puts, it makes me feel in a way, well, am I, am I sick? No, I Is there something wrong with me? Yeah. But just simply showing that, you know, like Jesse said, a phone call, just making sure you're okay. And they respond with, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Huge. you've you've built a rapport you built a connection and you've That's built right. this this relationship with them based on that incident yeah. where you know you're going to be the first person they're going to come to hopefully when it's not okay you got to be proactive as an officer absolutely you can't sit back and wait for them to come to you because no. they won't no and even as fellow fire, firefighters like if you ever if you ever questioned if people cared about you at the station just wait till the day following a, a, a bad incident, right? You have people blowing up your phone, checking on you. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 That happens all the time. Gets to the point where it's like, leave me alone. Like, <laughs> it yeah. really does. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off your Slack for 24 yeah. hours. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here we go. No, yeah. it, it, I, you're totally right, Jesse. Our phones blow up. You know, even at an officer level, our firefighters, you know, that's where you know you've made it as an officer. Yeah, yeah. When your that's firefighters good. are reaching out to you to see if you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, you're not immune to it any more than they are, right? No. But, what a crazy job, eh? But at the really same is. time, it it can make you stronger, right? It can make you better at what you do. Like, yeah, you learn from it, and you learn how to. Well, hopefully, you learn how to cope. Uh, it's amazing what these things do on an extent level. So we talked earlier about having rapport from people, but you can also have your friendships grow immensely. Oh, through these shared experiences, absolutely. Your ability to communicate how you feel grows. You know, your your ability to recognize that in others grow. So you take this to your regular life now. One of the best things I ever experienced was somebody who just sat there with me. Yeah. Not tried to talk about it. Just whenever I was ready, I'd just mm. start talking talk about other things. Yeah. And then I'd go around to the call and eventually talk about it. And then it goes and you could talk about something else. That person wasn't pressuring. That person wasn't pushing. That person was just there. Yeah. Just being there. Yeah. Made the world a difference. And if we didn't talk about it that day, we didn't talk about it. <laughs> talk about the next day whatever but you know they're they're a crutch for you if you need them yeah yeah, yeah. and and that's the problem like you said earlier sometimes people come to you and say okay let's talk you're like uh, yeah. no yeah. Like, you can't force that no no you can't no. it's got to be on that person's terms yeah and you know if you're a true compassionate caring person you're gonna make yourself available for what works on their terms that's right and that's key right there their terms right yeah and Anyone who's listening wants to do peer support. That's one of the keys: confidentiality <laughs> and on their terms. Yeah. Look at that! Right. Halfway through. <laughs> well, it's interesting how sometimes, well, actually, a lot of times, less is more. 
It really is, you know. Yeah. When you try to force that conversation, yeah. you yeah. try to force a, a certain reaction. When in reality, it's maybe not the best thing to do. You might not even need to talk, but just knowing exactly. that, that they are there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can't, like in my other job, I was one of the first few people on who arrived at the Westboro incident. Right. Right. And, you know, there's dealing with that. And, you know, I've had other suicides at that job too. And I can tell you, there has been nothing more beneficial to me than one of our peer support in that job. Yeah. Uh, he brought coffee and McDoubles because we had to sit on the scene. And I'm telling you, like, that seems like ha 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 funny. Yeah. But it's real. It's you care. Yeah. You know that I have necessities. I need to eat. I'm You're getting hungry. tired. Yeah. And, and you don't want to deal with us when we're hungry. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's so, it's so beneficial. These little things, these little things that aren't, you know, oh, tell me how you feel. I, I, I felt amazing after that. It's like, if that person comes to you, it's fully aware of what you just saw, yeah. what you just experienced. Sitting back saying, there's a space over here where there's no task on you right now. Yeah. There's open space. Nobody can bug you. You're hungry. Have something to eat. But there's that space that they create somehow that has no requirement on you at all because that scene had requirements on you. Yeah. Sitting there waiting for someone to talk to you, they're going to ask you a question. There's a requirement on you again. Yeah. And there's all these requirements, requirements, requirements. Yet somebody shows up with food and drink and no requirements. That's the world. <laughs> That's, you know, that I got to give a shout out to the Salvation Army uh, canteen when it shows yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Oh, my like, God. oh, you, you know, we joke about it. Like, oh, it's so great. There's hamburgers. But oh, really, like, yeah. you, you don't understand That's how much that means to us. Yeah. yeah the morale. Like, you, people do a 180. They're ready to go back in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine, let's say you go through something crazy in your life and then somebody just out of peer sport realizes Maybe they're available for this, you know? Yeah. Swing by. Yeah. Can you see that, that up to your house? You're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I could you just would... have a hotline for that number oh to get them. God. If oh, you ever yeah. tasted that burger when you were stressed, I swear to oh, God, yeah. you reduce your stress. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. But, you know, that's a good thing is the fire service has so many different avenues that does allow us from person to person to yeah. person to professional to person to outside resources like food. Yeah. There's there's a lot of ways that we can help reduce that stress and that trauma on people. Oh, there's unlimited resources. I mean, it, it, it's we're incredibly lucky. Like, well, for departments who yeah. don't have those resources, yeah. what do you suggest? Like, how how do you how would you go about helping your fellow firefighter when you're not in such a great position as we are? Uh, you I, really have to lean on each other. Uh, I would say uh, yeah. if you don't have you know an employee assistance program or something like that, if you can put one together, great. But uh, lean on each other, lean on your friends and family, your spouses. I know, uh, like, one thing I was told when I was speaking to professionals, uh, you, can, you can explain your story to someone and tell them what you see and feel, and you think that you're trying, you think telling them would expose them to it, right? And you're trying to protect them by not telling them, but they're never going to be there where you were. They're never going to feel what you feel, despite what you tell them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you really have to... Like lean on your spouse and your family and tell them because you're not going to hurt them by telling them. No. And make make mental health a priority. Make your investments going towards that. Yeah. That's, you know, if you want attrition and you want long-lasting firefighters, it's not just about giving us a treadmill. It's about making sure that we have mental health protection as well. You know, absolutely, physical health is a priority. I get that. But you know, if you have an extra $500 in a small department, 
invest in some training. Right. Invest in peer support training. Or put it into a pool for, yeah. Yeah, for uh, you know, psych- uh, therapy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one big one that we haven't talked about yet, and we'll, we'll navigate these waters carefully, is Snowberry. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So when you have a major incident like that, that doesn't come around very often. Yeah. But when it does come around, it's fucking huge mm-hmm. on how you deal with that. So why don't you say what you can say about it? Stay away from the stuff that you you know you, know you shouldn't. But yeah. for for our listeners, um, Snowberry was what a couple of years ago, eh? It yeah. was a residential structure fire. Yeah, it was during an ice storm. Yeah, uh, we just had a power surge in Stittsville, so all the power uh, went out in the area. Okay. And shortly after that, the call came in. We had a few calls come in at the same time, and yeah. a couple trucks got rerouted. We ended up uh, heading to that one. So, and you both were there, right? Like, I was on the second truck. Okay. Um, I was on the tower truck. Jess I was, was on, on the, the pump first in pump and. Uh, we had limited information. We weren't really sure what we were getting into. We did have a uh, car 80 on scene. He confirmed the working fire, and we had pretty heavy smoke showing from the garage. But that was about it. Um, anyways, I won't get too much into the details tactic, mm-hmm. what, tactically-wise, but, uh, yeah, we, we made entry, and we ended up having two members. We ended up having the, the floor fall out on two members who went into the basement and uh, yeah it's one of those moments where wow you never thought this would happen and here we are right what the fuck do we do now yeah mm. so how did you guys handle that well for me um i was i was outside of the structure and i heard the mayday right and i heard the mayday come from the truck that they're they're all my brothers and sisters, but my literal brother was on. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was pretty challenging to hear that. Okay. And my immediate response is run in, right? And you know they and you can't you can't. Yeah. They train you and they train you really well to try to keep your composure. And you know sometimes you deal with maybe you would have made a difference if you did run in. You know I I I personally deal with the fact of. You know, maybe I should have gotten to the station a little faster and been on that first truck. Mm. You know, that I feel like that should have been me because I I was I was a lieutenant at the time and I ended up taking the next truck and there was a delay and you know, you you definitely have to the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs. But uh it it, it was it was hard to deal with for a while. It was really challenging to deal with, you know, where where did you go wrong? Um, what did you personally do wrong? Well, it, it makes it makes you realize that, you know, despite all the Mayday training and RIT training we go through, it's all simulated, right? And the second you get into that real-world real world situation where it's your crew down there... Yeah. It all becomes It all life. changes, right? Yeah. yeah. It all becomes pretty real pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I got to give a shout-out to, you know, I think it was Tanker 45, and a little bit of 4641 composites were at the station. They did a good job at getting 81 out physically and all the stuff. So, you know, I have to thank, you know, Ladder 47 set up and stayed there for a long time. And, you know, the 22. Rick crews, 22, 46, 41, everyone, I have to thank them so much for everything yeah. they did. 43. Um, 
but you know i got back to the station and in my mind it's you know you feel you feel guilty you feel upset you feel angry and i remember a couple of the firefighters from 45 saying uh you know just just go we'll take care of it you know there's stuff that needs to be done just because something like that happens doesn't mean we don't have to get ourselves back up and get those trucks ready again right. so you know i almost broke down in tears because it's just it was such a stressful thing you had so many emotions going on and for them to just say you know we've got it from here isn't that one moment we live for though isn't that what we want in our whole life to have that that ability to have friends like that yeah to have family like that who will put everything yeah and aside that's for you that's literally you know what that's why we advocate so much for rural firefighting because you know we are a huge family though sorry a fire as a whole we're a family you know we we do things for anyone when they're going through yeah. a hard time we have our differences you know outside of the fire scene but when when it comes to it we're there for everybody right everybody's there for each other mm-hmm. yeah. full-time rural yeah. i don't care what station you're from uh, you know. right it was hard though because you know that there was a, our crew went through into the basement and you know if your listeners know you know basement fires can be specifically dangerous and unpredictable and the i was there when the um media was called in and i was there when the evac tones went off you know dispatch gets on the radio and says evacuate 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 you hear the three loud air horns from the usually the attack pump and i heard that a couple times after on other calls not our calls but you know on the radio listening and things like that and it scared the shit out of me hearing those tones scared me so much because again we're a family and you know that's my brother and sisters inside too and what happens if they don't make it out that's when you hear those tones you think something's already been called the tones are after that yeah so I, i i i'm lucky that i haven't i don't know how i'd react if i heard a mayday again i really don't but just those tones, the evac tones, you know, you normally mean something, something's happening. Or- I think what I know about you, I think you would, you would act even more appropriately on the next May Day. Yeah, maybe. I think you would. I think you'd be a lot more cautious and optimistic about yeah. what needed to be done. Yeah, but I, mean, I can tell you, you know, and, and again, it's a sense of guilt, but I saw my brother walk out because mm-hmm. I didn't know who was in there. Yeah. And, you know, I still deal with it sometimes where I feel guilty that... I was thankful it was my brother walking out mm-hmm. because again, they're all my family members. Nobody would vote you for that. But you know, it was, it was stressful, but also a sense of relief in a way. Sure. And you know, I feel, I feel shitty even saying that, but it, it was, it was a very stressful situation. And I remember when Jesse came out, you know, his first thing, we need new air. We're going back in mm. and you know, no one's in the right mind at that point to yeah. even be part of a red team. So yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I wasn't as involved as Jesse was, but you know, there's, there's still a lot of guilt and stuff that I have to deal with from mm-hmm. it. So of course, can you touch on like the rescue part? Cause I heard different things. Like I heard that you guys had to do like a human chain or I heard, I, you know, I um, it was the best of my knowledge. It was, I want to say rescue 43 and yeah. tower 22 maybe was most heavily involved. Don't get me wrong, you had tons of people helping wherever possible. But I want to say they were the, the, the ones directly involved in right. hoisting them out of the basement. 
Uh, one of our members was able to self-rescue climbing the hose. Uh, the other one was not able to. Uh, they had to be pulled out by uh, Rit. And uh, from what I hear, he had already uh, ran out of air and mask was off. Right. So time was of the essence, right? And mm-hmm. and I commend those guys for what they did. It's you know can't thank them enough, and I'm sure I'm sure he can't. I mean, I'm sure. Uh, sorry, I'm trying not to mention names. Yeah, yeah, so, no, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, I I remember we did our PIA after, and I was there, and I wanted to just you know hug every one of those firefighters and tell them thank you. Yeah, like. You know, we talk about saving lives, but when it's, you know, your family member's life, it's it's a different feeling for sure. And, you know, one thing that, you know, I told them after, but I, I keep saying it time and time again, anytime anyone asks me this question, but you have no idea how great it was to have dispatchers that day. Hmm. Those dispatchers were so amazing at listening figuring out where everyone was, where resources were going, because it's just as stressful for them too. Mm-hmm. And without their composure, I don't know if the, the situation would have been different. So, you know, our dispatchers for the service are incredible. Mm. See, Ryan and I decided to run the show when we first started, and it was, uh, it's like, great, we sat down, came up the show, and we're like, well, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to talk about? Do you remember that? Like, we were just going oh, through. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And then we started thinking, well, what... What issues do we want to talk about? And then the issues became the show. Yeah. You know, from the floor. All the issues from the floor. Yeah. Then Brenda's like, well, from the floor is like the military floor, the EMS floor, the dispatch. Like, it's all mm-hmm. blue-collar workers, right? Yeah. So it's the people that do the tasks. And we thought, okay, well, it's, that makes total sense. So we started doing it. And then we got Bill and those guys on. And all of a sudden, the show came into something like this. And, and what we're realizing now is people are coming back to us saying, we want to hear about this. In other words, the floor started talking to us. Yeah, perfect. All around the country. They're saying, we want to hear these things. So when we ask you questions, it's because that's what they want to hear. Yeah. You know, how did you become a lieutenant? How do you deal with a firefighter has got an issue? How do you deal with training? Why do you, you train more than the once a week? Shout out to any other station that does that, but who else does that? Yeah. That you yeah. know of? Yep. Right. Not many. I, I don't know, but like I said, our our priority is our station. So yeah. Yeah. I hope well, it's maybe. Hard. It's hard to throw that on top of everything else. But exactly. Yeah. So, you know. I understand if people can't make it, but for the ones who can, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's, you know it's less. your dedication yeah. too, like the the fact that you know once a week for two hours just ain't gonna cut it, mm-hmm. and you know that and you realize that. So how do you, and especially you guys where you are, because like I feel you guys are under a tremendous amount of pressure. Yeah, not just from the urban side, but just from the community side too, yep. because you are so close to the to the to the city core. Yeah, you know, even though it's still like Stittsville, Canada, but. Um, more so, I feel like you guys are under a tremendous amount of pressure to, to maintain that higher level. Absolutely. Right? What's your yearly call volume as it stands now, after the change? After? After. I'm predicting we're going to hit five. Yeah. hundred? Yeah. Um, Two years ago, we were about seven. Seven, seven fifty. Seven fifty, and then we mm-hmm. dropped down. Three fifty From COVID and, and, yeah, and other, you know, AVR and other dispatch changes, but. Yeah. So when it does change, you're gonna get all the calls back. Our, that's our prediction, right? Yeah, um, we 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 don't know. We, I mean, it'd be great in a way that we don't get calls because mm-hmm. it means everything's going well. But that's the, the reality. reality is, yeah, we're that's training the for the reality. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah, don't anybody feel bad about saying that because mm-hmm. 
That's it. I don't I don't hope anything bad on anyone, but if it happens, I want it to be in Stittsville. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah. the kind of people you want yeah. responding to your calls. Yes. Yeah. You know, those those people who are not just keeners but professional keeners, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So now so let's talk about call volume. What uh, what percentage are the calls that you get are like the crap ones where you got to get either you get canceled or you get get there and you're like that's oh, nothing. What do you think? Oh. Let's say if we're doing 10, 15 a week, I'd probably say... Yeah, you're probably 30, 30 40% alarm, residential alarms, commercial yeah, right, right. alarms. Um, I mean, sometimes those turn into a little bit more than that, but not often, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I think you also have to think about our geography, where one quarter is densely populated residents. Yes. Three quarters is still farm. And then a chunk of that includes a section of a highway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're second in for chunks of the highway, a large commercial area, and then other residential areas where there's townhomes. So our geography is... And it's still growing too, isn't it? Yeah. yeah fast. We have such a wide variety of geography where we have to be capable of doing so many different things. Are you guys... So, are you guys? Are there any talks about changing it to a composite or changing it to a full-time? Yeah. There's... there's yeah. There's been talks for years, but uh, I think we're getting closer to something happening. I still think it's a it's a bit of time away from now, but Mm -hmm. you can't deny it. I mean, I I don't want it to happen, but at the same time, I understand, right? Yeah. the 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 population is growing. the The call volume is growing to the point where it can justify it. You know, I, I. if we can no longer, at this point, I 100% believe we can provide the service to the community. But if it gets to the point that we can't, then so be it. It has to change. Yeah. yeah. We'll be the first to admit when we can't provide it. Yeah. That's ultimately, yeah, our goal is to keep people safe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nobody so, would lie to that. No. But there's a lot to go with that, right? It's not just the flip of the hat uh, with going to a composite or, or a completely You, you flip a switch on a hat. Sorry. <laughs> flip of a switch. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes on with that. I mean, I'm not an expert on the urban side, but I know right. there's, you know, there's some work there to be done yeah. through council and budgets. And, and oh God, yeah. that's an entire challenge we have, too, as officers, is keeping our people invested in the unknown. Oh, jeez, yeah. So, you know, some people might say, well, why do I dedicate four training nights a week if we're just going to be changed? Yeah, it's hard well, for us to, right. do we want to buy a home here? Yeah. Or do we want mm. to, if we're just going to... That's that's true you know, everywhere, though. I mean, not just COVID, but the price is going crazy. Yeah. yeah. But, but some people, a lot of our people live in Stittsville just because they want to be at the station. For right? sure. Yeah. For sure. So. But we, we need to make people realize that, you know, every day is a day that something can happen. And we need to be prepared. So to start backing out or backing off... It's not the time. Oh, you can't. Mm-hmm. No. no, you couldn't until no. until that switch until that is switch flipped. Yeah. is flicked, hat is flopped, or whatever the term is. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be providing that service twenty four seven, and then it has to be a seamless handoff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we 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 try to keep people motivated on that. Don't think about tomorrow. Think you know. It's interesting being on a number of calls. I guess I, I'm sure you guys feel the same, but it's like if you get that call volume anyway, and let's say you know it's coming in two years. Make it the best two freaking years yeah. absolutely ever yeah. do. I mean, yep. it's guaranteed calls, absolutely. guaranteed training, guaranteed equipment, guaranteed peer support, guaranteed everything you need. Go at it. Go at full tilt. 
make it better, make it make it a level the urban guy is going to have to live up to. You're going to go out with a bang. I love showing up to a house and and them asking about us and and them saying, oh, I didn't know you guys were volunteer or or part-time. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing more satisfying to me, right? It means we did our job proficiently and effectively. We got there fast. Nobody knew it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and done. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about um, mistakes. Let's talk about funny mistakes. Yep. Funny things you look back and went, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Other than llamas. <laughs> Other than llamas. That's been covered. Check. Yeah, why don't you talk about some of yours? I'm sure uh, Josh has a list oh, of things. I, I, I done. guarantee I have lots, but I have to come up with some. Think of them. Hmm. Right after uh, your 100 million parts per million CO call. <laughs> oh, yeah. This one should be on the record, actually. Oh, yeah. This one will be okay. on the record. Yeah. 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 We so I said 100 parts per million or 100 million parts per million. Then we cleared. Yeah. So there, are, uh, you know, CO call comes in. I think, oh, okay, I won't really have to work too hard. I'll keep my sweatpants and hoodie on under my gear. It was, uh, it was uh, in the winter. Was it a think, mistake? Or, was it in the winter? No, it was fall. No, right? it was fall. Yeah. Anyways. So yeah, hundred million parts per million. We uh, no, we got that part. Yeah, yep. we got cle- we cleared that call, or we were on that call, and we dispatch asked if we could clear for structure fire, right, for smoke visible. Yeah, in our district. Yeah. So we uh, we clear the CO call. We start heading to this fire. We're getting geared up. We get there. Um, I was pretty new at the time. Yeah, I think this was your first structure yeah. fire. I think you were only on for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so you know, this was before the uh the NFPA, so you weren't allowed to go interior your first year. Year? Yeah. 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 So here I am, I get out of the truck, well, what do I do now? I mean, puts you in the position where you kind of have to freelance a little bit and find make yourself useful, right? <laughs> so, anyways, Josh and the rest of the crew are inside fighting this. I think it was it started as a dryer fire. Yeah, made into the walls. Anyways, here I am hauling 5-inch and 4-inch high wall feeding hose, running around, getting tools, just running myself around, like, going nonstop. And uh, then we got assigned RIT after you, after you, you uh, finished your interior attack. Yeah. And I'm sitting on the front lawn and uh, I said, okay, Rick, go do a 360 of the uh, structure. We stand up and that was it for me. I, I was so overheated, so exhausted, so exhausted. I thought I was gonna pass out. I start my, my vision started going black. My my hands and feet. You started, could look at him and see it. Started happening. tingling. Oh no! And I'm pretty new at this point, right? Like I'm embarrassed to like say what's going on. <laughs> so luckily, I went to, like I whispered to Josh. I'm like, I, I need to like I I need to go and I need the paramedics or That's something. That's not what he said. He said. I'm going to fucking faint. Get yeah. me the paramedics. <laughs> Anyways, so there I am. I, f- I think it was my first fire in the back of the ambulance. <laughs> getting checked out the by medics. Guy. Getting the checked be- out by medics. Rehydrating. Ice packs. Our other two apparatuses were showing up a little later. And the paramedics doors were open. Mm-hmm. And the two trucks come in. And everyone's like, is that Jesse in the back? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was embarrassing. <clears throat> Yeah, well, I don't wear my hoodie <laughs> under my bunker coat anymore. No, no, do not, and and always have socks. Oh, oh. God, yeah. If you're ever getting yeah. on this job, have socks. Oh, yeah. it's the worst to not. Oh my God, the newer boots are okay. 
But those rubber boots you get, yeah, you're gonna wreck your, you're gonna oh. wreck your feet. Absolutely, you're wrecking. A lot of right? newer boots are fucking garbage in the winter, though. They're hockey bucks. They are. Oh, a lot horrible. of people have good things to say about those green, the new black and green yeah. ones. I should get a pair. I like of those. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah, yeah, really good. They support the back really, really well. Yeah. Mind you, they hardly do any of this at all. Okay. Like they don't it's move like very well. Boot. And in the winter, the Hakes ones? yeah, yeah. Hakes. And in the winter, yeah, they're hockey bucks. They're oh, horrible yeah. that way. Oh yeah, in the summertime they're great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All uh, the rest of the year, it's it's, it's great. But yeah, I'd yeah. wear my leathers in the winter. Yeah. They're a lot warmer and they're a lot more flexible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I don't. Uh, I'm pretty much perfect other yeah. than that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I put the high ball into the intake as opposed yeah. to the discharge yeah. oh yeah that's yeah. that's a common mistake you know and, and especially if you're using someone else's truck like if you're using mm-hmm. the hmes the kmes and now with the new uh carl Tebos, i think yeah yeah, yeah. like we don't even know what's gonna what what that set up like but i remember my first structure fire i went and uh a total narcissistic here i uh i found a cat in the basement. Oh yeah, hero. Here we go. And I, I was like, I can't lose this opportunity. It was me and another firefighter crawling, and I'm like, I feel the cat. He goes, I'll grab it. I said, No, not a chance. I'm walking out this door. <laughs> grab the cat. My lieutenant radio's in. We're coming out with a cat, and I walk out that door, and I paused at that door. I was hoping there was a photographer out there. <laughs> Anyways, no one got it, but oh, was I ever happy? And then I never lived it down. People just haze me for it constantly. Oh, of course you saved a cat. Well, it was like our stereotypical cat out of a tree call. Oh, then. dispatch sends us a message on our MDT. It says uh, it's investigate a call, and then Ta- with okay, the tower. With the tower, yeah. Oh, okay. I say uh, dispatch sees that we're en route. Oh, this is a, a typical one. Says in the MDT, you know, question mark. Well, there's a cat in the tree, and I was like, seriously? Yep, no, it's a cat in the tree. And now we we've had like four of those. This one was up. 60, 60 feet probably in the tree like it was up there yeah, it wasn't I mean, coming down it didn't didn't it attack you it tried yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah you could hear him through the bucket it's trying to cut me <laughs> fucking dang there do you know who i am they land yeah. on their feet right <laughs> there's a limit <laughs> let's test it out yeah Okay, I'm a dog guy. Oh, yeah. 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 We were, we haven't saved any dogs, but a couple of our members did. Yeah, we saved the dog from the Trans Canada Trail off in the swamp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that one wasn't in a fire, but yeah, you saved a dog on an island, which wasn't really. I would say saved. If there's one thing you could tell everybody, whether you're a volunteer, well, especially the volleys, what would you say to them? If you have the opportunity, do it. You won't regret it. If you're at a point in your life where you truly think that it fits, do it. Because there's nothing in this life that will compare to it. Good and bad. But you'll go through so many amazing things. And you'll, you'll be thankful in the end. <laughs> and for the people who are doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Work hard. Enjoy it. Train even harder. Mm-hmm. Make the best of it, you know. Like, like no one's going to be able to do it forever. So enjoy it while it lasts. Right? Right. You build some amazing relationships you'll make some lifelong friends you'll see some horrible things but you'll also share some amazing times together yeah don't uh don't ever sell yourself short if you're on right now don't ever think that you can't make a difference or your skills or voice isn't heard because it is and like i said earlier you know we 
we need to know things that we don't know. And you might be that set of eyes or that mind that has that knowledge or that skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't ever feel like you can't share your knowledge, you know. Be confident to to seek extra, like, seek promotion, seek responsibility. I know a lot of people are hesitant and they feel like, oh, I may not be ready, you know, I'm not confident enough. Well, you're never going to know for sure until you do it, right? So, mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. Strive for it. I'm good. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for guys. thanks for coming on the show, guys. <clears throat> Thank yeah, you, gentlemen. You guys are fucking beauties. Yep. You guys are awesome. Love it. All right, Me we'll too. see you on the floor, guys. Okay, guys. All right, cheers. Bye.